Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. Hey Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 168, brought to you by show sponsor BetOnline.ag. This is March 1st, Sunday, March 1st, 2020. Damn, this year is flying and so is the hockey season. But talk more about the Boston Bruins and everything else that's going on in the in the Bruins world. I have to mention my friend Heather. Heather, what's happening? Hello, everyone. What is going on, madam? Nothing, just... uh. You know, living my dream. Living the here dream. Here in Merrimack Valley. Sitting here, uh, podcasting about your favorite yeah, hockey team. Yeah. You know, yesterday was my kids' hockey team. They had their, like, all-league jamboree, which was fun because it was the first time the Mites had been full ice. It's crazy. That was, like, 60 kids there. They just kept loading the benches off. You did your shift five on five and then came and had a snack off ice. So Nice. Nice spread. Just like, uh, you know, kindergarten through second graders or whatever love some pizza and some snacks and all the things that you really should not probably be eating while you're playing five on five hockey but they're little and it was fun and a nice wrap up for at least competitive play good and uh one month left for the bruins yeah how do we get this far this fast it's tough okay um before we um my week was good. Thanks for asking, by the way. I was going to ask you, but you sh- I you didn't know. You should just do it, because I, I, I always get tongue-tied at this, like, okay, where do I go from but this here? this is the thing is I don't, I know you hate when I talk over you, which I don't mean to do, and so I'm trying to, like, see where you're going, but yes, yeah, so how was your week, it my was good. It was very good. Um, not, not, I mean, it was just busy, crazy busy with uh, work, my regular 40, um, and then doing the everything else that we do here at Black and Gold. Everything but, else you do here at Black well, and Gold. Well, no, no, I can't say that. I am not an individual on this. Well, on this, you know what I mean. I know that. There, we do have now. The number has increased to twenty-two writers on the on the on the uh, Black and Gold writers crew. Um, so yeah, we are growing uh, tremendously, and we get some really good writers. I was say, excellent writing staff. Um, yeah, and and we I just hired a girl that is currently in school in Russia. 
Hmm. And she want, uh, she's a huge Bruins fan, and she wants to take the European prospects that might be playing over in the KHL oh, nice. and the league under, which is the MHL. It's almost like the, the AHL H- here. Yep. But she also wants to take on any of the European prospects that are outside the KHL and cover them over there. So I was really excited to bring her on. That's her name off. is Sierra, and she sounds very nice, and she sounds like a hard worker, and I'm excited to get her on board. Welcome, Sierra. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good news, uh, we are now going to be uh, aired on the Full Press Radio app, which you can download on Apple Podcasts or, any, or anywhere um, I know they got approved by Apple the other day, and it's a big, uh, big to do. Nice. And um, Ian Glendon, he runs the whole thing over there. Full press coverage, tremendous guy. He is the host of the Big Bad Bruins podcast, along with Chris Blackie. Um, they said, you know, would you like to come on and and be a podcast on our platform? And I said, absolutely. Those guys are tremendous. And uh, so we're on there. So give them a follow on Twitter at Full Press Press Radio. Another account is at FP Coverage, and uh, another podcast on there is at FPC underscore Bruins, and uh, the, the Bruins one is the Full Press Bruins podcast with uh, uh, host Chris Mancuso, he's my boy, and also you can find the Big Bad Bruins podcast on there, as, as mentioned, so it's kind of a exciting, exciting little news. It is. I love their podcast, and I feel kind of honored to be in the same exactly exactly they rotation as we, we just work really well you know we share each other's stuff we try to get everybody else out there and we i just think you know by doing that numbers are going to get better and you know it's, it's not like we're working for or you know we're just we're just collaborating with them to try to get um everybody's work further reached out there in the social media world especially the bigger network the better more exposure so pretty yeah. awesome yeah actually um, so definitely give those guys a follow. Check out the fullpresscoverage.com website because they do a ton of other sports there too. So it's not just hockey. It's a, it's a, it's a buffet of sportness. <laughs> Buff sportiness. Um, and, before we, and before we get into the, the topics of the week, which was, is always the last week's games. I'm sorry. I already have the window up. Um, we got to talk about show sponsored betonline.ag. Uh, did you know you can bet on major sports like NHL hockey, Major League Baseball, NBA basketball, golf, soccer, and the very popular March Madness National Basketball Tournament? As you can find all these odds with our exclusive sportsbook partner, Bet Online. They have been in the industry for over 20 years, providing customers with the first to market odds and giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. Head over to betonline.ag and use uh, promo code CLNS50. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and have a little fun with some betting action today. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. So let's jump right into the topics. We have uh, the last week's games we're going to discuss. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we, we did we talked about the, the Vancouver game and that was just a, a, an absolute shit show. I hate to start the swears already. But um, how else can you describe I, it? Though? No, <laughs> really. No, it's just it was not a very good game. The the Bruins let in nine, um, and it was it was a total team loss. You cannot blame a goaltender, an individual player. It was up and down that bench, including the 
um, the coaching staff, in my opinion. So everybody takes the fault on this one. But, I, you know, you kind of thought that this one would be the eye-opener. But it was kind of in a weird time, too, because the next game, uh, they played the Calgary Flames at the TD Garden. And um, it was after the trade deadline, which happened on... on Monday um, the 24th. Yes, Monday the 24th at 3 p.m., and the very next day they had a game. So there might have been some emotions that went on and so on. We'll talk about uh, what happens, uh, what happened during the trade deadline in, in another topic after we get done with the upcoming schedule. But, you know, mixed emotions might have happened. And, and just, you know, I don't know. It's just they never really seemed to uh, gather any momentum from that, that Vancouver loss on Saturday night the previous week. But they come home and... Um, and sure as shit, uh, they, they don't start off very well. I mean, the game was a loss anyway. It was just, you know, it was just ridiculous. But in the first period, that that, that ir- irritant, um, mm-hmm. Matthew Kachuk scores his 21st at the 11.35 mark of the first period. Uh, second period, the Boston Bruins tied it with Brad Marchand's 25th from Charlie McAvoy at the 10.08 mark of the middle frame. And that was on the shorthand to tie the game. Come on, computer. Sean Monaghan uh, gets the 2-1 Calgary lead at the 13-25 mark, scoring his 20th. Monaghan again at the 14-37 mark, I mean almost a minute later uh, in the second frame on the power play, giving the Calgary Flames a 3-2-1 lead. Uh, Chris Wagner, the mayor, uh, scores his 6th from Corrali and Lindholm at the 13-09 mark of the third period. And Mikhail Backlund, who seems to be killing the Bruins um, this year and in the two games that they played each other. That's one of the things I wrote down. Yeah, he scores his 13th at 1830 and then scores his 14th at the, at, at the 1911 mark of the third to give the Calgary Flames a, a 5-2 uh, two victory. Um, this snapped uh, Tuka Rass Holmes' point streak at 20 games for, uh, in the loss to the Flames. Um, it was, I'm not even going to go to the team stats because I don't even want to talk about how good or bad the goaltenders did. Um, just kind of move on from this game. It was collectively. It was a low penalty game. But I definitely wrote down, I'm like, Jesus, Backlund's got our number. He's scored, what, like four or five points on us? Yeah, right down. Yeah. Five points on us in, this week with two goals. He had three points two goals that game i also wrote down that was nick ritchie's debut again we won't talk about him now because we're going to talk about him later but i don't blame him at all because he literally walked in like two hours before this hot mess no (laughs) practice uh, nothing like literally walking into a totally different uh division conference yeah yeah coast (laughs) it's a whole different world uh but i think uh this is where you should maybe put in some audio from how coach cassidy thought about that. we'll do that it's a perfect segue right into that listen to how um how uh coach cassidy reacted to uh the the game on february 25th 2020 (sighs) clearly not good enough i thought some guys came to play and some guys didn't didn't break a sweat some of them it looked like uh, i'm sure their effort where they were trying they were just in between or couldn't execute or whatever but at the end of the day it wasn't good enough okay and we are back after that small audio clip of bruce cassidy after the calgary flames uh lost at home at td garden uh, 
Thoughts? I, yeah, I don't disagree with him. I think I said to you, I think it was a little harsh considering when you have two big losses like that in a row. It's like you said, everybody's like you too, but I think we talked about too. It is also the day after the trade deadline. You've decided to move all the lines around. Like just, there's a lot of contributing factors, but I just, God, he, some people came to play. Some didn't even break us one. I'm like... Whoa, Coach Cassidy's not very happy yeah, <laughs> at all. Yeah. And he shouldn't be. It wasn't nope. pretty. But he, they he, need to also look at themselves, come to the drawing board, and figure out how to get them back together, which I think they did on the Thursday game. What do you think? I think so, too. And a uh, great segue there, Heather. Uh, on February 27th, the Dallas Stars come to town, uh, to TD Garden, and uh, in hopes. And, and actually, I was talking to Billy Jaffe on Twitter, and... Uh, you know, Jeff, he said something about um, he he can actually see that this Thursday game will be a better one and pretty much guaranteed it to me. And I just said, I hope you're right, because, you know, you got Tampa Bay nipping at your heels and so on. And, and that's at a, at a Atlantic Division outlook. But on the on the conference landscape. Um, I mean, Washington's uh, going through a tough time right now, too, but they're still up there and, and could be a pain in the ass in the top three in the league. So, um, But Jeffrey was right, came back, and he just said, I told you. So it's always good to have conversations with him because he's such a great guy. I love that dude. Listen to him whenever he's on, like, the radio or the what or whatever podcast. That's right. Oh, really Jaffe, but. No, it was a – they looked much more like them. So, like, holy crap, yeah. like, wake-up call because we're looking – yeah, a little absolutely. messy the last couple games. They bounced back though. It was like a solid. You know, also Dallas, like we talked about the week before, like Dallas is a solid competitive team yeah. themselves. So. Definitely bringing it on nice. a lot lately. Yeah. But um, uh, give to, us the recap, Mark. To start the first period, Jamie Ben scores his nineteenth at the seventeen thirty-eight mark. That was on the power play, unfortunately. Another trend of the Bruins giving up the first goal um, in the last game too. It was a loss, but like I said, and I've said it for the past couple weeks that. The uh, giving up the first goal isn't always doom and gloom because this team really does have a decent record when they do give up the first goal. Just don't count the the Calgary or the uh, the Vancouver games. So um, yeah, so Ben gets on the board first for the Dallas Stars in the opening frame. Charlie Coyle comes right back, scoring his 16th from Krug and Marchand at the 19:44 mark, and that's on the power play to tie things up. Second period, Marchand scores his 26th from McAvoy and Pasternak, giving the Boston Bruins a 2-1 lead at the 14-44 mark of the middle frame. New Bruin Nick Ritchie scores his ninth unassisted at the 16-01 mark, giving the Boston Bruins a 3-1 lead. Not even going to say this guy's name, but he sounds very Russian. He scores his 19th from Lindell and Dickinson. Can you say that? Garyanov. Garyanov. All right. Oh, that wasn't so bad. Uh, but, but David Pasternak, the Pastor Nasty, hashtag Pastor Nasty, um, scores his 46 from Richie and Lozon at the 3.53 mark of the third, giving the Boston Bruins a 4-2 lead. And Miro Heshkinen uh, gets the uh, Dallas Stars a little closer, uh, giving the, them the third goal of the game at the 17.36 mark with his eighth. But it was too late. Bruins hold off the Stars to extend the lead in the Atlantic Division. I stole that line from NHL.com, sorry. <laughs> well, it's not stealing if you give them credit. That's right. But we will talk about the goaltending effort in this game because it was so much better. Um, Yaroslav Halak got the, um, 
the nod in goal and stopped 31 of 34 shots. He helped earn that win. Yeah. He looked yeah. like he looked very solidly like Yarrow Thursday, I think. I believe That's so, just too. My, I'm, I mean, you're a resident goaltending expert, but yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, my eyes are liking this. He's getting those save. Like, you were saying how he was giving up some kind of, like, weakish, like, you come on, dude, you never do this kind of thing. Like, right. He definitely well, was in the zone. What I was trying to say about, uh, I believe it was last week or the week before, when he was going through that, that time of struggle, is he's got enough time to come over laterally across the crease, and he sets himself up, and then he lets a goal in. When you normally see goaltenders of that caliber, and Yarrow's a good good goaltender, and he's older, I get it, but he's still he's still very athletic. He is. But sometimes he gives up those goals when he's prepared for it, going side to side. A lot of goaltenders that are going side to side are still moving as the puck goes by them, mm-hmm. and that's that's one that is like okay, you really can't get you can really can't fault him on that one because it just. You know, you're in movement. Anything could happen. But when you're you're planted, you're ready. These routine saves need to be stopped. And you know, hey, Tuca does it too. I'm not yeah. giving. I'm not shitting on. Oh him, no, right? I know you, you know are. I mean? I mean, he was playing kind of rough, like it wasn't like you were calling out. Um, so Richie got a goal and an assist, but um, we'll talk about that. We're just gonna talk about that in yeah. like ten minutes anyway. So yep. we'll just go there. But uh, it was Kasha's uh, debut. Uh, he didn't really. Get much, but he did have two shots, and also, dude hasn't skated in a while. His last game for Anaheim was like the ninth or something like that. So, we're gonna give him a pass, just like we did for Richie as part of the hot mess in the Calgary game. Not your fault, yo. You just got here, right? Um, and no, uh, but still, he had a couple shots, and uh, but again, we'll talk about all that later. But I just wrote down that it was a good game and much a faster, tougher opponent, and we looked much more like our faster, tougher selves. And one last thing, five for fighting. David Krejci, oh my God, how you yeah. doing? It was that game, and uh, yeah, jeez, uh, da- I forgot David Krejci can fight because it's been what like nine years since he yeah. got in his last fight, yeah. but that boy can throw a punch. Yeah, I, I saw the clip this morning when I was doing show notes and so on, and I, I can't remember who it was against back in the day, but it, yeah, it was it was pretty funny to see that. But it was weird be- for a non-fighter or one that doesn't scrap all the time or get really physical at all. I found that he was very relaxed yeah. and like focused on when to throw the punch. It wasn't just like any other forward that doesn't fight, just wailing haymakers to see whatever. No, connects. he landed. He a was few. yeah. He was like actually waiting, waiting, and timing it. Like, and at one point, somebody took a still frame. I'm not sure if it was the NHL or the BostonBruins.com, whatever. But he was smiling. <laughs> he was actually smiling, and I thought that was pretty funny. So good on David Krejci. Maybe he'll gain a little popularity in that fight and because of there's so much hate for him too it was a good fight like i just I like i so. said yeah Krejci, that a boy like so it's like geez don't poke the sleeping bear because david Krejci, like i said i don't take him as a hyper aggressive kind of right. dude right. but apparently he must be like i'm a playmaker or something. Not a fighter. Yeah, <laughs> he's down boston sports clubs boxing or something on his off days i don't know but good game my boys yay and and to keep the 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 good game going on Saturday afternoon, is a one o'clock game. Leapy year. Lives leap year, yes. Um, the uh, Boston Bruins were at uh, the Nassau Nassau County Coliseum. Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Yes, I'm. To be fair, I have it written down. Everybody yeah. just calls it the Nassau Coliseum. Um, 
I keep thinking this it's Barclays again. And I keep oh. that's the Brooklyn one. Yeah, which which they're not going to I for the know. rest of the year and next year, I believe. I think next year they get there. They're playing all their home games back. Yes, at home. but the but their new arenas is, is being built. Yep. Yep. So yeah, so I don't think there's any more Barclays going to happen in the near future. And thank God for those fans. Mm. Uh, Brooklyn was just a bad idea, like you've mentioned a while ago. That that that. The stadium was built for basketball. Right. It kind of was like the only option they had, and it's nice that Jay-Z and the people who own the bill, you know, and all that, you know, everybody's looking for a way to make money. But the problem is... I didn't know Jay-Z owned that. Jay-Z, I think, owns the Brooklyn Nets. He's one of the owners of the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, so he owns the facility, too. I think they own the facility. like With, you know, with partners like, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's him, but he's definitely like the heavy, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, it just, again, like you said, the building, they made it for the when New Jersey moved to be Brooklyn or whatever the Nets they built it to be a basketball thing and yeah. I think before because the Islanders were supposed to get a new stadium a while ago right and it yeah but like the, fell apart the Wong, like the deal. I think it was like Wong uh, he's an owner yeah he's obviously Chinese and so on he passed away recently yeah um, wanted the lighthouse project mm-hmm. back in the day but uh, folks that were in the area that lived, you know, they have the residents there, didn't want it because of the noise, the lights, the whatever, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But they needed it. Yeah. And obviously that time away, Islanders fans hopping on the on the uh, commuter rail, going all the way across Long Island just to get into the city. Well, that's the thing is that three-hour train Nassau's ride. on one end of Long Island, yeah. Brooklyn's on and the other just, end. Yeah. It was just a nightmare. And obviously those fans you know, missed what they had. And obviously now it's like, okay, now we need to get an arena. I don't know how all these people like, change their minds saying, oh, well, now it's a good... Well, because now their team's decent again. Because yeah, for oh, a while, true. when you go from being like a dynasty team and then your team's and you like... Flop for then like you're the freaking... Two decades. You basically look at the Detroit Red Wings, right? Like when you are yeah, good, like good thing one. and then you're rebuilding, like it's hard. I'm not saying that fans aren't loyal, but I mean, I, we talked about this. Like as a fan, you part of your job is to convince me to waste my $100. Like I love them and I yeah. will go every time, but... If I'm going to go, I'm not paying you $100 to go see a crappy team. It's just not happening. You know what I mean? Uh, But go ahead. We didn't. Let's do the summary because it was a 4-0 win. Yes, Shut out. Go. 25 saves for the Boston Bruins. Netminder continues to have a stellar season. And we'll talk about him later on in some um, award, potential awards. But David Pasternak scores his 47th of the year. Getting closer to 50, man. Uh, from Krug and Carlo at the 4.30 mark of the first period, giving the Bruins a one nothing lead. Matt Grizzlick scores his third from Marshan and McAvoy, giving the Bees a 2 to nothing lead after the first frame. No goals in the second period. Third period comes along. Brad Marshan scores his 27th from Bergeron and McAvoy. That's a 3-zip lead at the 11.06 mark of the final frame. Charlie McAvoy, red-hot Charlie McAvoy, scores his fourth. From Krug and Krejci, giving the Boston Bruins a 4 to nothing lead on the power play at 16-26. And eventually, the end of the game. 4 to nothing win over the New York Islanders on the road. They really ran these guys over. I thought. I, I mean, there were times it was, it was really a lot of back and forth action. And, but when it came to the defensive style, and we'll talk about that too. Um, they really just shut these guys right down. A lot of block shots. Yeah, the Islanders have been struggling lately, uh, but they are still a good team. They haven't, you know, they're like 
They're kind of how, like, the Bruins traditionally are. They don't have a lot of superstars on their team, but they can be a superstar team, you know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they've been struggling. I was surprised to have had a 4-0 shutout against them. Good for the boys. It was a good game. Maybe they were a little off their game, but, yeah, points, because I still can't wash out that Vancouver and then that Calgary game out of my ass. So, that looks better. I mean, we're playing Tampa Bay, and we'll talk about this in a second. We're playing Tampa Bay twice in Florida, who's kind of flopping around, but they're, like, really good one day and, you yeah. know, struggle, you know, whatever. But they're trying to keep themselves in the playoff race, and it's going to be tough, dude. But uh, what do you think about the game? It was a good amount of penalties, but... Yeah, I thought it was... Um, I thought when the, uh, the Islanders knew that they were pretty much out of it, they started to get a little frisky out there on the ice and, you know... Uh, face washes after every whistle and so on. That's what you expect when you're down and you can't, you know, you can't fight out of a wet paper bag. But how about I like, Charlie McAvoy? Yeah, uh, he's just he's just really, really stepping it up at the right time for me. Offensively, defensively, his game's coming around. Um, you don't see as many mistakes anymore um, as you did previously in in this season. And we, we talked about it. A while ago, basically not having a a preseason and holding out on, for contract talks, mm-hmm. you know, might have let him get uh, into uh, midseason form a little later than everybody else. But he's starting to pick it up at the right time. Well, right? he's put he's like we, we said before too. Like it was almost like he couldn't figure out how to put his brain and his the right. rest of it all. Like you know, he was picking one side or the other, and now he's. Finally, someplace he's comfortable and he's yeah. getting into a good groove to execute however he needs to, as opposed to, you know, Absolutely. kind of being more defensive or whatever. But yeah, he's doing pretty good. Six points last five games, three points yesterday. Yeah. Go Charlie McAvoy. So that's that's the week that was, and uh, we will discuss the week that is as we're talking on this Sunday afternoon on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 168. 168. Wow. Awesome. I love it. Keep going and going. But as we talk about uh, the upcoming schedule, I'm going to hand it over to my friend Adler because she's got some fantastic notes about uh, the uh, upcoming week's action. I mean, as much notes as I have, they're looking <laughs> thing. But uh, the boys are going to the Sunshine State for a couple days this week. Good for them. It's freezing outside, so I'm sure they're happy to go. Uh, just saying, when you're in Nassau, it's not much warmer than it is here. But Tampa Bay, a lot warmer than it is here. Uh, so Tuesday on the 3rd, we're going to play Tampa Bay. Also, anybody in Massachusetts, we vote for the primary on Tuesday. Please go vote. That's my history teacher and me talking thing. <laughs> and shout out to Mr. Howard. Yeah. So uh, anyways, we're going to go to Tampa at 730. We're going to play them at the Malley Arena down in Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay's got 65 games played. They have 41-19-5 with 87 points. So luckily our gap on them has grown a little bit because they've kind of had a rough mm-hmm. week or two. Uh, we've all heard the, you know, just they lost bad to like a team. <laughs> you know, just like they've had some bad losses that's not like them. Right. Uh, I mean, they were basically on fire for two and a half months. But whatever, they're 6-4 and 0 oh, in their last 10. Uh, they're second in the East Atlantic and third in the league. Uh, 47 goal differential. I mean... They're Tampa Bay. If you don't know who Tampa Bay is, they're firehouse. They just got Blake Coleman defensively. And uh, who are we talking about? Bergosian, I think, right? They just signed him, too, on defense no, uh, during the trade deadline. I thought Coleman was a forward. I'm sorry. I just meant they got Blake Coleman from New Jersey. Oh, and then okay. didn't they get Zach Bergosian or whatever? Oh, yes, we had been yes, talking yes. They about. signed him. Just, uh, I mean, 
we had talked, uh, one of the things we had just kind of texted about, I feel like everyone around us did a lot bigger moves to shore yeah. up, but I mean, I have faith that it will all work out. But anyways, they, they had some moves on the trade deadline. We've played them twice this season. We're going to play our other two games just this week. Uh, but they beat us in a 4-3 shutout loss in October, back the first couple weeks of the season. And that we lost 3-2 to to them uh, in December on the 12th. So hopefully we win the next two because this is the point in the season where we really need to get the wins and keep yes. the points and shave yes. it off. Uh, but anyways, I mean, they're a powerhouse team. What do you want there? Tampa Bay. What can you say about them? Their goaltender's sick. They have snipers up the butthole. And uh, if they're clicking, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a, a tough matchup. What say you, Tampa Bay? Can we hold off Tampa Bay? I believe the Bruins are going to be number one in the East. I think we're close enough to the end that... It would be, we would have to fall apart no matter how well Tampa is now that we've got a little more gap. So mm-hmm. personally, I think we're going to save them off. Yep. Uh, but what say you? I, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope they they do well. I, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Stephen Stamkos out of the lineup? I think he might be. Yeah, I think the last report I saw was that he's uh, got a, some kind of an injury. I'm not sure if it's season, you know, threatening his season or it might just be out for a little while. All right, so you're in... The win column for Tuesday, you think? I believe so. Uh, I think that this is going to be one of those games that the Boston Bruins need to have a statement against a team that is like trailing them. Um, Even though we did talk about the gap that they have created with these with these wins and the stretch post bye week, where the Boston Bruins have been playing very well and they're just creating more of a gap, like I just said a little while ago. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the Bruins can win. They, they've they've done it. I mean, the Island is a it's a different team. They, they they can play on the road. I think they can play against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning down there well, and hopefully, you know, they get those two points. But it's always one of those games that you never know which which team's going to show up because they're both high caliber, you know, offensive juggernauts. All I know is I never see a Boston Tampa game that's not exciting. So. There you go. All right. Well, Thursday, March 5th, 2020 at 7 p.m. We're going to play Florida at the BB&T Arena. I don't know why I'm a little flummy there for a second, but not. Uh, they played 65 games. They're 33, 25, and 7 with 73 points currently. They're fourth in the Atlantic. They're 11th in the East. They're the fifth wild card, but the points, again, are super tight in the East for the wild card. Uh, and I don't know what they are in the league. Guess it doesn't matter if you're the fifth wild card. Uh, at home, they're 16th. 13 and 1, so they're certainly beatable at home. Uh, and they're 4, 5, and 1 in the last 10. Florida's a weird team because they're, they finally started playing more like everyone thought they would play this year. And they've had kind of a rough week, but overall, uh, they've got a plus three goal differential. So, not, you know, they're pretty good average team. Uh, but they can be dangerous sometimes. So, what can you do? But we played them twice already this year. Uh, we lost to them on the 12th of November in a 5-4 sh- uh, shutout loss. Sorry, I got choked up a little because that was the horrible game where we were winning like 3 to nothing, <laughs> and then we ended up losing, starting our mi- abysmal like shutout loss to like, whatever. Uh, and we played them again in December on the 14th, but we did beat them 4-2, to two, therefore making up a little bit for such a hideous comeback kid moment for them earlier in the season uh <clears throat> what say you about the florida panthers the state of the other side of the sunshine it's, state? it's one of those teams that are very bipolar in my opinion they can play very well but they can also uh, dive pretty good um it all depends on what kind of game like sergey Bobrovsky is going to bring you in the crease uh for the panthers 
Uh, $10 million goaltender hasn't really, you know, been up to snuff on, on what his paycheck uh, dictates. Um, but he, he has been, um, you know, a thorn in the side of the Bruins in the past. He's, he's played some outstanding games, but we've also seen him give up some pretty nasty, go- uh, pretty bad goals that just allow this Boston Bruins team to, like, pretty much ruin his career throughout. So it's either one of those. It's a, it's, a, it's a toss up for me. I do obviously hope the Boston Bruins are going to pull it out with the, with I hope the two Nolan points. Chari doesn't score a hat trick on And he's been something. very good. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he surpassed the 20 goal mark for the first time in his career. And I know a lot of Boston Bruins fans are probably thinking as soon as I said, we said Nolan Chari's um, name. Uh, we should we should have kept him in Boston. This and that. Well, let me. I just want to like shed some light to you, bring you back down to earth. Is Nolachari in Boston would still be a fourth line player, and he would not be offensive like that. He would not be putting up those numbers. Nolachari in a Florida Panthers jersey under coach uh, Joel Quenville saw something at him at a higher level in the lineup and inserted him there. I mean. When you play next to players like Jonathan Huberdeau, they're yeah. going to make you a hell of a lot better than than a guy like Sean Corrales. Well, and but that's part of the thing too with Florida this year is a major major part of their rebuild and try. You know what I mean? Is like Nolachari. Part of Nolachari here, and I like Nolachari. I'm glad he's having a good year in Florida. Is that there are we talk about this all the time? We have so many players that the exact same player yep. getting paid about the, the same depth. amount of money, right? So there was no way for him to move out of the fourth line. Now, Florida's that team that's got some pretty solid superstars on there. Huberdo, you know, your Barkoffs of the yep. world, whatever. Very underrated. And they need huh? places, people like Nolachari, who has tons of Stanley Cup and playoff experience. Like, no, I mean, he's not a name that's going to, you're going to bring it like you'd think about Sidney Crosby or something. But that dude's played a lot of postseason. He's got experience. He's played with some of the best players in the league being over here and there. You know where he's been, so good for him. Um, I was just joking because Nolachari, he he really is. He's having a good uptick, and yep. you know his opportunity in the way. He's good New England there. kid, good for him. Uh, yeah, I think it's really what kind of Florida team you see on Thursday because you never know with them, you know. Yep. Uh but we're gonna play again on Saturday, the seventh. March 7th, at home, though, at 7 p.m., they're going to come back here. We're going to play Tampa Bay again. So we play Tampa Bay twice. We won't recap that as Tampa Bay has not changed in the last four minutes since we talked about it. <laughs> uh, but So they get two games down south, warm up a little bit, they come back play north. Some golf. Play some golf. We're in the last month of the season, six game, 16 games left or something like that. Uh, we got a little bit more coming up this month. but Two, two back up. Two uh, back-to-back games, so um, yeah. So another schedule muck up. Um, yeah, the back-to-backs are going to be the uh, Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, and later on in the middle of the month is going to be Anaheim and oh, they're going back out west. Yeah. This that's got to be the final trip of the of the year. Yeah. When they say Anaheim, Danton, well, we'll talk about it. Anaheim, L.A. Kings, and the San Jose Sharks. So. Should be interesting. Uh, it'll be an interesting uh, month. Just eye on the prize, boys. Slow and steady. Exactly. Just the way Heather said it. Yeah, we're looking pretty good, though, where we sit, right? We're number one. Yeah, We're I mean, still number one. 66 games. Got, yeah. a night, got 41 wins. 94 points. 7-3-0 in the last 10. 22-3-9 at home. 
Yeah, nice little so, flow there. Thing, I, like I know, that. you like that? Yeah. You got two wins, win number one. We still got a plus 51. Um, I figure like we have a heavy schedule from here on out, but it's also light. Like, because we play a lot of teams like like Florida again or whatever, or like Ottawa. What do they got to lose? They just, you know, freaking right. burn down the whole entire barn practically, and they're just <laughs> trying to hope they get... Yeah. Oh, God. I forgot we played Detroit again. I'm sorry. I was just looking over at that later in this month. But uh, we're sitting pretty good, pretty good in the whole entire league and whatnot. Um, I was thinking I was looking at the Metro because I was, you know, I was just, even if we don't talk about it, write down what the conference looks like uh, before we transition to the regular topics. I just wanted to say, do you think that the league is begging to have Philadelphia and Pittsburgh play each other in that first oh, round at on. two and three? That's just cash money. That is you think the Toronto Boston is your yeah. like, which has been the first round kind of baby the yeah. last couple of years, drawing the numbers. The state of Pennsylvania in the collective like diehard hockey world will lose their minds it's, if there's it, Pittsburgh and Philly knocks out Pittsburgh in the first round. Can you? Um, it's it's crazy because uh, geographically they are they they travel well. Yeah. I mean, you can go to each one of those and 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 support your team and. And oh, uh, yeah. cause mayhem. I can just imagine the what those stands. cow. Yeah. Oh, well, God. well, we know how Montreal fans when they come down here. Oh, it's yeah. always it's always very very like you know bitter. It's a yeah. bitter feeling. You don't like to see it. But I can just imagine uh, that those two franchises yeah, that, that have a storied history in just one state. It's crazy. I'm, I'm like, what do you mean bitter? Like when I told a whole entire room full of French Canadians at Force to stop looking at Ray Bork because oh he was his, his, ours, not theirs. No. Yeah. I didn't feel good. Okay. I, I was kind of grumpy and. <laughs> Thing. It was cold, but... All right, so why don't we take a, uh, our first break, okay. and then we'll, we'll come right into the, the topics that we gathered this week. Um, this is... the oh, I'm sorry. This break is from College Hockey Incorporated. You can follow them at College Hockey Inc. and go to the website, collegehockey.com. Um, fantastic people. Nate Ewell, Brett, Brett Schlossman, they do an awesome job. Big fan of their podcast, too, that you can find on all... Pla- uh, podcast platforms uh so we'll be right back passion talent development ncaa hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90 percent rate nick bukestad wow what a goal david backus and zach parisi were stars on campus before the nhl stage whether you are a fan or a player nothing compares to college hockey Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. All right, and we're back. We just heard from College Hockey Incorporated. Fantastic guys over there. Follow them on Twitter. And like I said before, check out their podcast because they do an awesome weekly one uh, updating everybody on what's happening in the college hockey world. So um, just coming back to... Um, what we, our discussion period. <clears throat> I forgot to mention some of the things that I wanted to say. We are coming down to the stretch and uh, preparing for a, hopefully a long playoff run. But I just wanted to mention like some of the top five or some of the players that are, are, are top go getters. And when you, uh, when you were talking about points, and uh, David Pasternak is just the, the cream of the crop on, on this Boston Bruins team with 91 points, 47 goals, 44 assists. I mean, he can legitimately get his first career. Um, 100 point season. I think that's correct. I'm not sure. You're the you're the stat girl. I 
am unprepared to look it up right now. <laughs> okay. So I don't know it off the top of my don't, head. And I don't don't quote us, but I, I think this might be his first 100-point uh, season coming up. I Hopefully it is anyway. I, I believe it is just because how he's had a few seasons. He didn't play all season and stuff like that. Brad Marchand coming off a 100-point season last year is has 83. He's got 27 and goals and 56 points, 56 assists. Uh, could happen. He just he needs to get really hot for that to happen. But he always. This is why I kind of proposed just talking about Marshy with you that he always ramps it up. Like he's a player that ramps it up going into playoffs instead of stepping off the off the gas. Someone sometimes too much. But well, I was like I actually wrote down he's. I think that he can get his other hundred points because in the last couple of seasons in sixteen seventeen he had eighty five. That's the year that right before he got his fortieth goal, he got his ass suspended for acting like a yep. dipshit. Yeah. Uh, and then he had eighty five points the next year in seventeen eighteen. He had a hundred points last year, and I think this is about where he was sitting with about this many games left, maybe twenty fifteen games left last season. So come on, Marshawn, you can do it, and between- make them consider you for the heart. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. The uh, going to Patrice Bergeron, he's got twenty nine goals, twenty five assists, fifty four points. That doesn't sound right. Um, yeah. And uh, Tori Krug has eight goals, thirty seven assists, forty five points. And David Krejci, thirteen, twenty eight, and forty one. So that's your top five right now. Just a little update of how how everything's going through the points. And that Bergeron one was right. Sorry. Uh, my dyslexia is looking at different numbers, and it's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just an update on how everybody's doing point-wise as we get ready. Because these guys are going to be heavily relied on uh, coming into the postseason, um, regardless of who we're playing. You have to be prepared because goals are still what wins games at the end of any buzzer, whether it be Final 60, Final 65, Final 20 at 4 o'clock in the morning. It still makes me nervous. Like, I'm glad to see some of our secondary story, you know, our scoring still picking up because we can't just have those five people. Like, you know, we've talked about this the whole year. So it's nice to, you know, like Coyle's kind of been on fire and Charlie McAvoy's been, ha- you know what I mean? Yep. Kind of thing. Even Wags has had a really good last, like, Stand five it. games or so. He's injured too, by the way. Mm. So we'll, it remains to be seen if he's day-to-day or something significant. Uh, touching up on the goaltenders, Tukarask is 24-7-0 on the year with six overtime and a 2.16 goals against average and a .928 save percentage. Yaroslav Halak is 17-6-6, and uh, 2.44 and a .917. Um, when I see that number, 17-6, and six, it reminds me of the season that... Um, what was that? Oh, Chad Johnson had. Remember Chad Johnson? He had one good year with us, and then we let him go. Yeah, and then he's had one good year with everybody else. Too, that's, and it. Keeps, yeah. that's it. That's <laughs> it. Rotating, yeah. Everybody was clamming for him to be the starting goaltender because all the Raskaders were on top of him. Oh, God. So anyway, let's, <laughs> let's talk. We go from one hate topic to another. Let's talk about the trade deadline wrap-up. The Boston Bruins made a deal. Obviously, they made a deal with the David Backus, the first-round pick. We talked the about Axel Anderson. We'll talk, we talked about that at probably nauseam. Um, but we did, we did relieve some cap this year and next year with David Backus being off the books. And to me, the next move that happened on the 24th was an act of creating a little more space moving forward. 
because the Boston Bruins in this next trade did in fact save $1.3 million. Not much, but who knows? Uh, Danton Heinen is now an Anaheim Duck and Nick Ritchie, brother of Brett Ritchie, Mark's is, favorite player. <laughs> yeah, is um is now a Boston Bruin. Uh, Nick Ritchie is 6'2", 230 pounds, a big kid. Uh, he before the trade happened, um, well, he was an Anaheim Duck. He was playing the Vegas Golden Knights. He had a two goal effort, two assists for four points, and uh, comes to Boston and uh, in three games as a goal and assist and two points. So. Um, I'm not going to claim a win-loss on this trade at all. I think it's pretty much down the line. You you got rid of a, a very good a very good offensive person in my opinion. When I say very good, I'm not I'm not just I'm not looking at stats and numbers. I'm looking at overall what he can what Danton Heinen did on the puck and away from the puck. And I thought that he was a decent two-way forward. Just something that wasn't going on. I mean, he wasn't putting the puck in the net. There was some. There was some strange stretch that he was out for four games, and then his play afterwards got a little better, but not great. But ultimately, it was they they saw enough, and I, I hope he does well because I've been a, I'm a huge Danton Heinen fan. I love Danton Heinen, and I'm still a little mad. And why I'm mad is not because that we didn't relieve cap space. Or anything like that. But uh, that was our biggest trade. We had two things go. So I had to lose Dan Heinen, who I agree, I think everyone underrates. And uh, I was laughing when I was listening to uh, the Big Bad Bruins podcast with like the crying and whatever. Cause, yeah. um, I'm trying. I was like, I'm going to look back because I found out about Heinen was gone uh, there. And literally you text me something and I text you i can't i thought it oh no this is this can i just recap this thing right go ahead uh let's me let me recap a little text chain uh on monday uh before trade letter danton heinen traded to anaheim for forward nick ritchie brett ritchie's brother that's from mark <laughs> heather are you fucking me <laughs> mark <Jesus>. nope <laughs> now don and i respond now don sweeney and i are fighting does not necessarily help this team. Why should we be dumping one Richie for another thing? Now, I, I was freaking out. I'm a Dan Heinen people. Okay, so that. So he's trying to be neutral and be like, kid, <laughs> freeze up $1.3 million. I'm like, there better be another deal. Nick Richie is literally his brother. Oh, there will be an ingerant. So I'm trying not to ingerant. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just spike it all out? Yeah, you gotta back up a little oh, bit. I'm sorry. Or it's, yeah, yeah, I just got to back okay, up from the sorry. mic. Sorry. Um, so the worst part of this actual te text chain to me was when I thought you would have gone with, uh, there's some players that I don't particularly like to look at. So when you're trying to calm me down and I'm still young, you go, come on, this is like Dougie and Freddie, LOL. <laughs> I thought you would have gone with the Hayes brother, like the Jim, no, you know. No, But. I'm like, this jerk knows that I am mad about Dan Heinen. He knows I'm probably going over the edge. He thinks he's being funny. Oh, I do not think referring to the Hamilton brothers is funny. I don't think that's funny at all. I, just, like, I, I think it's funny because Dougie can't huh? go anywhere without his brother, Freddie. Yeah. It was like, I yeah. think I kind of have a, a feeling. It wasn't just 
the personality that Dougie brought in the locker room, which was pretty much zip to nil. I don't care if, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with going to museums and, and finding out things about what goes on in the culture around a certain city that you I go to. Um, but it also makes me feel like because of what happened in Carolina, what happened in Calgary, what happened in other places, that Freddie is now like trailing along. Like all of a sudden he comes to be, uh, to be a part of their their organization and they sign his brother to uh, a minor league deal, which I don't know. So Yeah, so I I know you were trying to be funny because you knew it. Like, funny? You're trying was it, to make was it a funny fail? Uh, it was... Only because I was standing there literally at work going, oh, you thing or whatever. And my boss says, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, only that Dan and Heinen is a mighty duck. Anyways, uh, so, anyways Heinen's got a goal and assist, though, since he's been out in Anaheim. Good luck. I'm not, I don't, listen, everybody out there, I do love the Dan and Heinen. I do know that he has not played the best that he can as of late. I do get that we've got some cap relief. I cannot make any decisions on these trades this week. It is only one week. We'll talk about if we like how the line thing has been happening in a little bit after this. But uh, Brett Ritchie's head is giant. I saw it on TV. <laughs> and I'm just looking at him compared to our other boys who are ripped. They are ripped. I'm going to need you, Brett Ritchie, to get in the uh, treadmill room or you're never going to be able to skate with these boys, even though you do have good feet because you are a moose. Like... Like, not Milan Lucic Moose, because this dude can skate. But, uh, yeah, you're going to... Well, I heard that that they these guys were like, oh, man, that was a rough practice. Like, what are you talking about? This is light practice. Like, yeah. you know. Uh, but anyways, I guess welcome to the Bruins. How do you... I can't really judge. It's only been a week. Yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to throw a grade on, on the trade or what Don Sweeney and, and staff did on trade deadline day. It's just... It's too soon. And, and the way that they've been playing, I mean... I mean, pretty much they lost one game after the trade deadline and then come back and grab two and four points. So I'm not, you know, did they make any, like, huge, you know, additions? No, of course not. Don Sweeney did it again with the lateral movements, just not destroying the the current roster, but just to those fill-in players that he might need to carry them over the threshold of possibly another uh, Stanley Cup run and hopefully a winner. Well, and we couldn't uh, afford to do anything no, to address No, we had... I, I mean, the last time I knew it, we had $3 million in cap space. So if you were going to go out and get a Kreider... And by the way, Jesus God, what about that? That is... I mean... I mean, he's out for the season with a, with a shattered foot. And a whole lot of money that they're going to have. Yeah. So, I mean... We don't make fun of injuries here, uh, but I'm sure glad that he wasn't on the on the Bruins roster when that happened. It's just unfortunate. But just to wrap up this trade thing on my end, look, I'm not mad at you, Nick Ritchie. I will give you a chance because I do understand this is how sports works. But you better not end up in the AHL because if I end up paying two Ritchie brothers two point eight to be down there in Heinen's in Anaheim, I am going to in the end not be able to. Well, like I said, me and Don are kind of fighting in my own mind right now. We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't think it hurt the team. I don't I don't think anything no. like that. Like it, no. Again, like we talked about, it's like a one-for-one. One. And I get we don't have a lot of room to do anything else. But we'll see what happens now. Kasha's here, too. And and what do you think about him uh, so far? Still too, still too 
early. I think it's hard with him because he hasn't skated in a bit, so he's kind of out of shape. You know, like Nick yep. Ritchie at least showed up with not enough sleep, but four points from the game before. Right. Well, Kosh Kosh has been, been on the IR for a while. Yeah, like I don't remember, but I think it was like the last game he played for Anaheim was like the seventh or the ninth or whatever. February. Um, can I get and your? Per- he's been sick. Can I get a personal thought on that trade? I don't know if I asked you this before. If I have, stop me, and we'll move on to the next topic. But um, are you comfortable with making a deal? I know there's something probably behind the behind the closed doors that if he's unable to play, mm-hmm. the deal's off or something like that. They re- rescind it, whatever. But uh, how do you feel about making a move when you know that the guy coming over is still on injured reserve? Yeah, we did. We did kind of talk about. It, I think that I don't think we dive deep into it. Par- yeah, I think that was partly too because he was sick and it was like he's on the IR and. Once you're kind of on the IRR, until your doctors tell you you can go play, it yeah. doesn't. I mean, it was concussion think, related, right? I don't think they're ex- Nick picking though. Like maybe he was out for a concussion, but now he's got the flu, so he needs three or four more. Di- you know what right. I mean? Like yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think he's gonna be work. Out. I like him. Like you know, I. I don't really know a lot about R- Brett Ritchie because I didn't think about Brett Ritchie. I mean Nick Ritchie. I didn't know he existed until we uh, acquired him. Uh, I knew his brother existed, and I, I didn't knew he even played know that, in the OHL. And I didn't even know that he existed until he was on my team. So yeah. sorry for being ignorant, but uh, I do know who Kasha is a little yep. bit, and I think to me he's more of a ready-made Bruin kind of player. Yep. Uh, but again, obviously he's a kid that doesn't play necessarily, but all the time. I'm looking forward because uh, he gets he, injured. He's so. got speed, yeah. and he, he's on pucks. He's really good. Was uh, tenacious forechecker. I just, once he gets the chemistry and so on, I think there's something special going to be there. I'm not going to say he's going to score 40 goals every year. Yeah. He's just going to be that complimentary player that you need on the lineup and, and has the speed to, to play on the third line with, with Coyle and to play on the, even the second line with, with Krejci. He, um, I think ultimately he'll end up on the, I think ultimately in the end he'll, and DeBrusque will end up back with Krejci on that second line. I think that... I'm not saying DeBrusk might. We'll talk about thing, but uh, this, I get he's trying to jostle around the lines, coaches to see what's gonna work. Now you got new players in, like thing chemistry, but it's also a little message to say, hey Jake DeBrusk, you like playing with David Krejci because you don't have to play with David Krejci. You know, we could get someone from Anaheim to play with David Krejci if necessary. Uh, but uh, I think that he actually is more ready-made kind of brewing. Uh, because of two, he has really he has pretty good hands too. Yeah, he's quick and he's a risk taker. And the Bruins are kind of a risk taker team. Like, like you see, like in the two minutes on their power play, like they are pounding the crap out of the other team's shot and exactly. move thing. Like they're not always looking for the goal, but certain combinations when they're on the ice are always shooting on goal, and somebody will tip it or whatever, just like you're supposed to do, you know. So, I think he's ready made and might even be. David Krejci's right wing that he's been dreaming of since he was a young lad. All right. Moving on to the next topic. Moving on. Before we wrap this up um, for the first half. Um, McAvoy's three-point effort against the New York Islanders shows defense is uh, ready down the stretch and uh, a long postseason effort. Um, He has been playing so much better. But also, I can notice that the, the defense has been playing much better along with him. I think that everybody's like basically on board now and ready for this. Um, and good timing. It's just, I'm, I'm going to say that a lot 
moving down to the stretch until the playoffs happen because it is, this is when you need everybody to be on board. Um, obviously, to be on board at the beginning of the season to get chemistry together and get worked up to this moment is important. But the way the defense is playing, I'm seeing differences in their game, not only individually, but as a core. What do you? Any thoughts on that, or am I just am I crazy? If, I, I'm, if I'm crazy, tell me at Black and Gold two seven seven. Yeah, don't tell me. I don't care. I already know you're crazy. Um, <laughs> I I love our defense. I think that when things go wrong, they a lot of times get the blame for things that are really the forwards for not thinking defensive mindedly. Uh, they have their struggles, but overall, I think defense goes as the team goes, but a lot of times they are the quiet, keep this team together on the back end, and they certainly have looked more like themselves again since the break, you know? I mean, obviously we've had a couple horrible games, but I think it's good McElvoy stepping up. Uh, even Grizzly, even though his point-wise, like his play-wise has been much more like what you expect of him uh, the last couple weeks. I think our defense is fine. Between our defense and our goaltending, we talked about this for, like, the trade acquisitions. I don't really, I mean, everyone kept saying, now we need to go get a big defenseman. Wait a minute, I thought yeah. we needed a right wing. Make up your mind. They, were, you they were really tied to that um, um, Brendan Dillon out of San Jose because they thought everybody was going to be on a fire sale. You know how I know our defense is good? Because on average, they all play around the same amount of minutes. Yes, obviously, like McAvoy's going to absorb a few more than, uh, you know, things and like that situation. And so on. Uh, Tory Krug might absorb a, more because he's on first play power play, you know, yep. first unit, first play power play, Ugh, first <laughs> unit power play, things like that. But overall, on the back end, they all play about the same amount of minutes. Zidane Chara plays a normal amount of minutes now that he's not expected to play 35 out of 60 minutes a game. Right. Uh, and that's good. The young kids can step it up a little bit. I think they're nice and balanced on the back end, yep. too. They have a good balance of big, little, you know. I'm, I've am i heard a few people, like, now it's like, let's get on Chara wagon again. But Chara yeah. also is not necessary. He's not playing badly, either. Like, I get you want to maybe put a young guy there. But Jesus, like, we're right before the playoffs. Like, yeah. we're not, no one's getting rid of Zidane Chara going into probably his last playoff run kind of thing, you know. Uh I think over, I just, I don't know. Now I'm babbling about the defense. Why'd you have to set me off about the defense? I don't know. I did it without going on a tangent about my boy, Tori. That's true. That's what do you, true. Do you like our defense? My boy, Marco, would appreciate as, that. As a goalie, would you feel comfortable with those six boys? Because I think we're one of the only teams that have three solid pairings. Coming from a goaltending perspective, and, and like I've mentioned many times before, never a professional level, just beer league, um, inline, Deck hockey and ice hockey, that's that's what I did. Don't do it anymore, which I did because I'd lose a little bit more weight. Um, but uh, what the defense I see in front of Tuka Rask is um, they're, they're moving things away from him so that he can be able to see the puck. I, I know there's, there's some instances when he has to make some reactionary saves because of a defensive um, breakdown. It's going to happen. It's n- Nobody's perfect. They're still playing really good, but what I like about the idea is they're they're boxing out players, they're moving them away from, it, and they're giving opportunities for the goaltenders to see those shots and eat them, whether it be right in the chest or or down low and stop it, cover it, get a whistle, and regroup. Um, 
I, I like what I'm seeing on that. I think that's very that's good dis- defensive responsibilities because you're not only thinking about yourself and transitioning out of the zone, but you're also thinking in the back of your head that I got another guy behind me that needs my support, and uh, I believe it's all there. Awesome. Yeah, you you have that face like I sound I sounded like I just said something smart. You always say the smart things. Oh, you thanks. just don't think you do. Well, maybe not always, <laughs> but. Uh, no, but it makes sense. I think we're pretty good. I think we have a defense that other teams don't like playing against. Yeah, you know, I mean that's my and my bigger thing. It's going to be important to play that type of balance and shutdown style defense when it comes to the playoffs because that you know from watching so many years of hockey and mm-hmm. postseason play, it's a different animal. It's mm-hmm. like another season that you just need to either hype yourself up or physically get ready for, which I know it, it does happen, but mentally. It's 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 bruising, mm-hmm. so I mean we'll see what happens. I, I God the playoffs. I when you think about it, it's like do you want to see Toronto again or you want to see somebody different? And if you want to see somebody different, is it going to be that team that you haven't seen in previous years so many times that it's now an inability to win? I don't want Toronto to be in the playoffs at all. I don't care uh, how many people. I can't stand Toronto. Think that, like I don't care. I. Unlike everybody in Toronto, I think if Toronto doesn't make the playoffs, the NHL will just be fine because there are 30 other teams <laughs> that fans will be happy to not have, you know. That's uh, what true. What was saying about, like, it, for me, the Leafs are like, I don't want to play them again because it's like playing the same old crap. And I feel like we play different when we play against the Leafs. Like, we become a different team, you know, and yeah, sometimes that's exciting and grindy, I mean. Not complaining about the seven game series and stuff we've had right. recently. I mean, I love good hockey, but I don't want. I don't even want Toronto in. Like, I feel like you're a room full of bitches. Maybe it wasn't Mike Babcock. Kyle Dubas has a job still, and I'm a little confused why because a lot of this is him and not like who came before him. And uh, because he's young and analytics drive the league now. And that's great. Well, analytically, your team is full of <laughs> overplayed fucking weak players that crumble every time they have adversity in front of them because their whole lives they were told they were the best hockey players. And in some circumstances, I'm looking at you, highest played players, that might have been true. Well, welcome to the big leagues where you can have 9,000 great, awesome, overly played players, but if the chemistry blows, which it does clearly in Toronto, or they would not be struggling, going, popping in and out. They'd be solidly in the top. That hasn't been an issue the last few years. You should see Cap Friendly. You should see how many contracts are buried in the minors, like millions of dollars worth of contracts. Like, the last time I checked, I thought it was 12 million. Hmm that just can't hack it at the NHL level and they place them down through waivers because they passed. It's crazy. And they, like, sign everybody, too. Like, who, like, Like, we're in cap crisis because we had to eat a few con- things like that. Not because we gave everyone ridiculous amount of money for not earning it yet. Like, we talked about this, yep. right? The new generation of players, they get paid for what they should be in the future. What other job on the planet do you get paid? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, an Austin Matthews, like, you oh, have yeah. to give him the money straight out the gate. Generational player. Right. That's different. Most players are just really good players. And, you know, although their names will be only a handful of them will end up being considered for Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's just true. the way it is. They're still the elite of the elite, so you wouldn't be working where you are. But what other freaking... No one goes to the doctor and says hey I'm gonna pay you the $65,000 to see if you know how to do the surgery and I think in two years when you graduate from med school you will be able to do the surgery so I'm gonna pay for your last year of med school 
and see what happens. Like, no one does that. Yeah. No one. Stupid. All right, so let's take another break. Right. We are at the hour mark of our show. This is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. March 1st, 2020 edition, episode 168. We will be back after we hear from the great folks at the thestorenextdoor.ca. Please go to the thestorenextdoor.ca and get yourself an awesome hockey-related item or anything else that they make there. They use recycled materials, do a lot of th- good things for the planet, and also do a lot of good things for some special people up in the Yarmouth, Nova Scotia area. Love Canada. Love you guys. You guys Nova are the best. Scotia. Shout so, out Maritimes. Exactly. So we will be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. And we're back. Just heard from the great folks at the storenextdoor.ca. Please go there, check them out. They do awesome things for great people. Um, Jumping back on the topics uh, train, per se, on the agenda for the podcast. This is episode 168 in the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Um, I want to talk about Jake DeBrusque and, and how he's been missing lately. Um, my, my boy Chris Mancuso of uh, Full Press Coverage um, would probably say that he's, he's uh, on, a, on a milk carton somewhere um, trying to be found. And uh, Amber Alert, uh, no, no joking about Amber Alert, so it's, not, yeah, it's not funny. But um, what do you think about what's going on with him? What's no, that? I was going to ask you what you thought about Jake DeBrosk. Okay, so but I now you're up. asking me. So I messed up. Well, you go first now. All right, well, listen, you're not... Talk- I'm going to write what you wrote, because right. we both wrote something down about DeBrusk. I wrote DeBrusque's he's obviously hurting for getting on the points, although if you look at his overall points, it's pretty much where you would have him be. Um, maybe not in the second line, but now he's on the third line. Is he going to pick it back up, or is he going to not ever get re-signed because of the way he's playing? And... You wrote down Jake DeBrusque reaches a 10-game mark, which is a long time, with a goose egg against the Islanders again. Uh, what's next for them and the Bruins? So you, we're going to combine these. Okay. So first, Mark, I'm going to let you, what do you think? Pick what you want to talk about this point, because there's a lot with Jake DeBrusque at this point. And, and that's you what go. you call in the showbiz a call-out. <laughs> I am um, kind of, this is probably not going to be a very popular opinion. Uh, pretty much anything I say lately has not been, but I kind of have a feeling that Don Sweeney wants to get that first round pick back. Do you, do you know where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, I am a huge Jake DeBrusque fan. You know that. I've been on him since they picked him, and I've been watching him since the juniors in the Western Hockey League, coming into Providence and into the NHL. It's been a really, really fun thing to watch. But there are struggles, and he does have some 
huge value as a young player right now, and he's on his last year of his entry-level deal, needs to get signed. There's another way, another avenue that the Bruins can relieve some cap room by not resigning him. Or you can get him, uh, you can get some value back by making him available at the draft. I, I'm not on board with anything I'm saying, but it's just when you look at the list of players on this Boston Bruins team that can get something back, he's like very attractive. And if Don Sweeney does want to get that first round pick back, because it's going to be a deep draft, I know, I know it's going to be a late round pick, but you don't have you don't have the option right now. And if you want to get back in there and try to pick something good and keep, and keep your uh, your prospect pool replenished with a first round talent and keep keep the rise going, you got to give something to get something. Um, I don't want him to go. I want him to snap out of this, and I want him to be a huge help. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's tough to talk about, but it has been mentioned by a couple people that if they want to get that pick back, he's probably going to be an attractive piece. Thoughts? Um, I do think he needs to step it up, uh, or one or two things are going to happen. He's going to get traded during the draft weekend, or they're going to make him sweat out right to the first day of, you know, like, last year, we didn't re-sign McAvoy and Carlo because Don Sweeney had to figure out with the cap to how to get that done. That is not going to be necessarily the case for all the RFAs this season, and we have a lot, right? So, you're looking at, like, Grizzlick and uh, DeBrus, say. They gonna they're, they have about the same contract if you re-sign them, right? Like, Grizz is probably going to get a little bit of bump, not, like, anything ridiculous, you know, like, he knows where his pay grade is kind of thing, you know, and... uh. DeBrusque is going to, he's due for a bump, right? Yep. My thing that I keep going back to with Jake DeBrusque is this. Forwards can be streaky, right? Even really great forwards can be streaky. Yeah. Can he pan out? Because sometimes they're on DeBrusque because you want more of him. But if you look at kind of where he is stats-wise, he's about where a player Jake DeBrusque is should be, right? Um, Because he plays on the second line, he probably gets a lot more spotlight on him here than he would somewhere else. You're going to demand a lot more. Right. And at the same time, we have to just make sure we're being fair about the demand as well. So like right now, I agree, 10 games, that's ridiculous for him. But if you look at the 10 games before that, Jake DeBrusco is one of the only people driving play, getting assists, getting, you know what I mean? So I think we've come to a point where we have to decide, can we deal with this kind of streakiness with him? Like maybe now that he's played on the third line, maybe Jake DeBrus, maybe having the pressure off him a little bit will let him calm down and he gets a different look and he has to decide, does he want to stay the second line left wing where he's been partly out of necessity? You know, I mean, we just have a bunch of young guys that are filling these parts some, right. in some places. Uh, or is it time to move on? That's a hard one for me because unless it's a trade... Like, I don't want to just trade Jake DeBrusque for just a pick, though, either. Like, I, I'm i not that, again, you know the prospects a lot better than I do, but as for, like, the crop that would be the ones chosen to kind of move up and fill that spot, I don't feel with confidence there's anybody who would be better than Jake DeBrusque up there, right, you know? Yep. Or even a trade one-for-one, one, like we're talking Richie for Heinen, is that kind of a one-to-one one okay? Yep. So I think it's up to Jake DeBrusque. Like, do you want to be on this team? Like... Your name, your legacy, you know, what you've done in the past only goes so far. And as been the ongoing discussion with him this year, normally when you're in a contract year, you play your ass off to earn your money, you know? And uh, 
Well, his play is definitely going to dictate what dollar value he gets, and it might not be an attractive one that Don Sweeney offers. I mean, if he does want to stick it out and try to do things like like other players have and taking the air quote discount, I don't know. I think Jacob, he seems like he's happy here, though. I think he's happy here, and I think he's young, and he is uh, maybe not. You know, when you have like a twenty-two, being twenty-three, twenty-four, like that's a weird age of like just. I don't want to say maturity-wise, obviously, because these are kids that have been away from home since they were kids. But that's part of it, too, is that maybe uh, just generally, we've talked about this in the league, you expect so much of your young stars. Where back in the day, you would never expect... If at 24, there was a like there was a David Passner, like, that's a breakout player. Right. 24-year-olds are still kind of working it out and becoming men, you know? Still acting like sponges. So I just... For me, like, I feel like DeBrusque has a place here and a home, and I think... Uh, He's kind of in the crew, you know, but I also can see himself playing out of this crew because we are at a point where we need to shit and get off the pot with these prospects. Either they're coming up soon or we keep, you know what I mean, a year or two, or we need to get rid of them for other things, draft picks or other second, third liners or whatever it is to make us deep in a different way because mm-hmm. I don't need 9,000 centers. We never will have enough I know. room for 9,000 centers and we're only going to have enough room for... 12 wingers. Like, you know, so figure it out. I think that he, if he does get re-signed currently, it's going to be a short-term, tiny bump. Kind of like I feel like Charlie McAvoy got a... Yep, Even though he's probably, you know, he's on the higher pay-end scale. But I do think that's partly why he got the short deal is that, I'm sorry, kid, I don't feel comfortable giving you $9 million yet. You know, just because that's what your trade, you know, value is worth. Kind of De- like that bridge deal kind of De- theory. DeBrusque, I think he could get himself a short-term two-year, yep. not a big bump, like you said. Like, you want to stay here? You want to play here? This is your last chance, or you'll be gone. Well, if, if, if he does take that type of deal, uh, you know, he might see $1 value, and Don Sweeney might see another dollar value, but and the negotiation tactics will be like, well, listen, we need a winger here that can score and, and is known to score. So if we bring in a guy that's going to cost us $6 million dollars, you know, you if you want to be on this team and be part of something special, you have to adjust what you're doing. You can't just come out here and have these streaks of no no points and 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 ask for a three four million dollar deal. It just doesn't happen like that. I think that Jake DeBrus though is unique in the sense, like you know, his dad played like he he grew up in the league, you know, and uh, a pedigree. He's, he's never done like like we used to say a little bit with Ryan Donato, right? Like he relied a little too much on his pedigree yep. and always like growing up in the system and doing whatever. You know, I mean, he probably was baptized on the old guard nights. We don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Um, I think DeBrusque, though, he's pretty level-headed and I, I feel like he's not someone who has an overinflated self-worth either. Like when he's high, he's like, you know, yeah. feeling good. Yep. But I also don't think he's so naive to think that his value is as high as it should be either because he too can see himself in these games and things like that. Um, I also think, though, that sometimes, especially with the younger players, not not that he's a baby, he's got a little bit of experience, but he's only been in the league two years. I mean, people act like he's been there seven years. He's right. only been, you know, I don't know. It's really, I feel like the ball is in his court because um, I know Bruce Cassidy seemed to love Dan Heinen. It didn't stop that from, like, nobody didn't like Dan Heinen, but he got moved, so... Again, we don't need dead weight either. So, real quick on uh, as we end this Jake DeBrus topic, do you think that him moving to another line has taken it was way too long in the making? No. Should it, so he, you, do you think him being on Krejci's uh, left side 
for a majority of these these struggles and this season where he's been a little off and on. Yeah. Um, you don't think that should have been done earlier, or it's it's now? Let's see what you can do with Coil, a puck possession master, and learn from that. Maybe if you get better uh, with him, you can rise up to that second spot with Krejci again. No, I think that's more just a message to now you're going to be down with Coil because Krejci's pretty good at what he does too, and yep. I think. Krejci never seems uncomfortable having DeBrusque there, even when he is struggling. Do you know what I mean? And let's face it, if you're the center, you struggle as your wingers struggle. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not, you yeah. know, no matter what you're doing sometimes, neither. Um, also, we haven't had enough size, to, uh, enough sample to say, oh, yeah, wow, definitely Brett Ritchie should be on the second line. Like, that's just kind of a mix-up message why Bruce is trying to see what might click. Um, I don't think, though, that he should. I think he was fine on the second line. This bullshit, like, because there are times when everyone's like, oh, I love Jake Dabrowski. He's on fire, right? There was a time when he was the hottest player on the team besides David Pasternak yeah. a couple times. So I guess it's kind of like in baseball, not to use the analogy, but like, is a slugger worth it when they are batting it out of the park to go through that 15, 20 games where sometimes they're just not doing crap? Also, he's never really... He hasn't had a single season where he was so looking so far advanced metric on what his value really is yeah. that you should, you know. Right. I don't know. I I don't I don't have an issue with him being moved down. I'd rather him be moved down than benched. I feel like he'd be more productive on the third line than on the ninth floor. But at the same time, I don't think it's because of chemistry or ability on the second line with Krejci. This is probably just Bruce sending a message like, we need we need you, we need you to pick it up. And like, I'm, I'm going to say it again, this is the time that you need to figure that out before it's it's the 11th hour and you're just about to start the playoffs that you, you know, you're trying to find your game. You should already have it by then. And I'm, I, not a knock against Jake DeBrusque or anything like that, but it's just, he's a young kid that just needs to... Just, just a, to play better, in my opinion, to get what he wants. and It's more he just needs to play more consistently. Yeah. That's the problem. Like I said, if you look at it overall, he's pretty much where he should be, even on the second line with Krejci. Yeah. But as a fan, and uh, I'm sure as a coach, that it happening in like 10 game spurts each way, that's what's concerning, because what sure. you need is the consistency. I mean, again, go back to the playoffs. What happened to us last year? Part of the reason we lost the Sealy Cup, some people might say it was size. I would argue that's what happens when you only have three people putting the puck in the net, and then they don't put the puck in the net, and everyone Six, else one half down is the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just so. it's easier. You're too but tough in the playoffs, I, or you're not tough enough. I don't think DeBrusque has gone off this team yet, but I do think that the next uh, sixteen games in playoffs are very critical for this young man and his future with this team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to the next topic uh, is is my my favorite player, as everybody knows, uh, is Tuka Rask, and he is amongst the league's best in the NHL when it comes to the Vezina Trophy talks. But can he win it at the end of the year? Right now, I have a pick that I'm pulling up on my my phone that I took from the NHL uh, <laughs> the NHL Twitter account, and. The trophy tracker, the Vizina Trophy, has Andre Vasilevsky at 75, Tuka Rassi at 63, and Ben Bishop at 49. Those numbers to me got a little deceiving because uh, we talked about it in the pre-show about Vasilevsky, and I kind of think that he's getting a little over bored with the recent streak that went on because 
you, you know how Florida did not start the season off very good. Tampa Bay, sorry. They didn't start the season off very good at all. And they're starting to kick it up a notch now. But Rask has been playing good to start the year and pretty much all season, regardless of a couple dips and doodles. You know what I mean? But I don't think a, a short streak should take over a season effort, in my opinion. And I just kind of think that the... I'm calling out the, the writers that, that do these polls. It, it says... Um, uh, 18NHL.com writers cast their vote at the three-quarter mark of the season and points awarded on a 5-4-3-2-1 basis. I, I don't see the uh, the thing. I think that, in my opinion, and, and it's so heavily biased because we're a Boston Bruins podcast, mm-hmm. that Rash should be definitely ahead of Vasilevsky. I don't know. It, I actually I would argue that Ben Bischoff, Ben Bischoff, I said Bischoff instead of Bishop. Talking about wrestling. <laughs> I was thinking Eric Bischoff at the same time. That's really weird. I would argue that Ben Bishop should be higher than Vasilevsky if you take out like the streakiness. The thing with the Vizina Trophy is that how many games you play is a major factor, and I think that's partly why Vasilevsky would be ahead in the voting, only because, like, we have a good t- in tandem, but he plays all majority of the games, you know what I mean? Not as many as, like, Marty Brodor and them used to have to play in a season, but still, closer yep. to 60 than 50, you know? And yep. that's the only thing I think that would probably not give Rastia, but I, I am someone who thinks that all the awards should be given based on your seat. Like, I don't think they should get to even speculate what they vote, and you should be looking at the whole season, right? Uh, when you look at the Hart Trophy candidate, who gives a crap if you were the best hawk player in hockey from March to April 1st or whenever you have to cast your vote, yeah. you know what I mean? It's what you did over the course of the season affecting your team. On and off the ice, the blah, right. blah, yeah. Right, same thing with goaltenders. So I'm on your side in that some of these goalies that... Like, we're not putting the Elvises in the whatever in the world. I don't care how many games. Because they're oh, young. They haven't, you know, like, anybody can win five games and have, like, a crazy goals against. But those kind of things have eased, evened themselves out. Rask, I think his biggest, it's almost like it's his best thing is that he doesn't have to play all the games. But I also think that sometimes that's a big consideration. And I also think sometimes the writers really don't, like, some writers take a lot and investigate, you know what I mean, and look at overall numbers and play and this and that. And other writers just kind of like, oh, well, Vasilevsky's obviously a beast. I mean, he won, like, 20-something games in a row. And he is a beast, right? But you're right. I don't forget that he played like shit and the rest of his team did at the beginning of the year. Here's another factor that I want to throw into this that I just thought of right now because I'm an amazing mind. I'm always (laughs) thinking hockey genius guy. I know, right? But it's like um, Tukarask and Yaroslav Halak, they play a 1A, 1B style, while Vasilevsky is pretty much the he workhorse the of that team. Mm-hmm. Does that pay any dividends at all in this conversation of who should get the Vezina Trophy this year when you're not you're playing most of the games? And if I'm not mistaken, his, his uh, games played numbers is high because he does get a majority of the work, but wasn't he injured... Um, was it this year or was it last year that he was injured for quite some time? It was, I think, and he won it last year. Yeah, well, last year they were on fire, like Tampa Bay. They were winning all the blew it in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I know it doesn't matter if you lose round one, but no, he was from sorry, Kyle O'Hall. Straight out great, the best goalie last year. He just was like, I mean, but it, again, it's like it's hard to tell with the writers. But like for me as a fan, 
I don't think that you can look at Tuka Rask. I feel like Tuka Rask is one of those goaltenders, if you ask fans from outside, everyone's like, Tuka is sick and no one wants to play against when him. You but you the, ask Boston the fans. The polarizing like, factor comes right, in. goes in. But I do think that the number of games played does help you out because you get a little more forgiveness on your goals against and things like that when um, you've done more of the workload, right? So, I mean, I guess maybe that goes to, like, all the conversations about should we be revamping these trophies for the new era? You know, like, there's a lot of talk, like, should we not just have the Norris Award? Should we also have, like, the Bobby Orr Award and then the best defensive and best offensive defensemen both get an award? Because, really, I mean, if you put Brett Burns or whatever, just using him as an example, that would be up for, you know, like, traditionally, right? And a Tory Krug next to each other, too. Well, let's face it, Carson's winning it all the way this year, but... Like, if you put those two totally different kinds of defensemen, it didn't used to be like that. Defensemen used to be defensemen. And then yep. every now and then yeah, you exactly. have a freak, like a Ray Bork of the world or whatever. That Now there's not. Like, defensemen are very different, just like a center and a forward think different. You know, I... Yeah. So I do think, though, that Tuca should be in the top It's like three. the Selkie. I mean, you could, you could still be a very good center, but you might not be the league's top point go-getter center, mm-hmm. and you're not going to win the Selkie. Right. You have to have that two-way game, that defensive style, involved into what you're doing offensively. Mm. Just crazy. Yes. I, I do think Tuke should be in consideration, um, just like last year. Just because of what Bruins fans, high consideration because that guy's rocks. Well, and just, say. I mean, I'm very fair. Like, I mean, I have high standards. I mean, God knows that, like, Martin Brodeur is God to me. So I have pretty high standards on what goaltenders be. But I, I do think that... It's hard to step out of the Boston box and look at Tuca, but from yeah. like a rational standpoint, the only thing that makes me think that Vasilevsky is higher than Tuca or Bishop in that case is the games that have played, which is weird because Benny does play a majority of his yeah. game, but he get, he's been kind of a funk this year. Hudobin's his backup former Bruin. Yeah, Hudobin's like number one in things too. Being yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But. Um, yeah, I guess when you play minimal minutes and you play good, yeah. The, you know, it's, it's at that point, it's the dollar value. It's your contract that's mm-hmm. at the state and what you're what you're dictating on the ice and and you're playing games. Well, it's games almost like played. you. Sorry, like for the now thinking of the Jennings Trophy with like the tandems, right? And the flip side, should it be considered like, are you really a tandem if Vasilevsky plays seventy five of the games and the other right. goalie plays two, or are you riding that? Or well, like, if you look at like Ben Bischoff and see that, Bishop, that why award, do I keep saying Bischoff? Why I am know. I thinking about Eric Bischoff? It's like me in lockout. Yeah, I know. It's like you get it in your head. Or Tuca, whatever. There's a few really great tandems where really, yeah, you got the starter, quote-unquote, but it's so much more balanced. But Shouldn't in, that be considered more? No, because it's the overall average is yeah, what decides what it. What is weird about that whole conversation is it's team, it's team's goals against average. Mm-hmm. And right. if you, you when you're, like, remember that year that um, Thomas and Fernandez won it? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I just so for me it's like should we revamp we look because we don't do that with the Vizina Trophy. Right. We don't just say the guy with the best record overall and numbers wins. Like that's not how it works because there's so many categories. You know what I mean? You yep. could you yep. could have the most wins but be like third on save percentage. So I don't know, it's just weird to me. Yes, I think Tuka should be in, and yes, I'm all day long. Our goaltenders, regardless, should get the Jennings. I know it's really a point thing, but... Absolutely. Okay. All right, jumping on to the next topic. Um, the fourthperiod.com website writer Sean Hutchin reports what could be expected in the Krug talks. As everybody knows, Tory Krug is on his last year of his current deal. 
I am looking at Cap Friendly right now and says that he is a UFA in 2021, making $5.25 million a season. He is 28 years old. He has a minimal no trade clause. So this is what Sean says, uh, and please take it for what it's worth. Um, I am not on board with... I, the guy's a med he's a credential media writer, I get it, and so on. So he does have some inside sources and so on, but not somebody that I would go to on the regular to find out information. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason why I'm bringing him up and, um, and what he does, he did send out a tweet uh, the other day that I wanted to uh, touch base on when it comes to uh, the conversation about Tory Krug and his future negotiations. Um, Sean Hutchin at Sean Hutchin on Twitter earlier in earlier in week I tweeted that NHL Bruins Tory Krug next con next contract uh, could be in the range of eight million dollars per season compared to other D men statistically it is market value which I totally agree on he's going to get paid if he if he decides to walk sources close to the situation have informed Sean. That Krug is asking for a six-year deal worth forty-nine million. Not good with the math. What have we got there? It's like seven a year. That's still not a bad. Over seven. Yeah. That is still not bad, in my opinion. That's. I mean, that is a tweet that I could mention on my podcast, and that is a tweet that I would allow to happen on our website, BlackAndGoldHockey.com. We have twenty-two writers looking for writers. If you guys are interested. Please reach out, blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com. Let me know. We'll sign you up and get you writing if you want. But those are numbers that I can agree with. That's why I brought it on. So that, what did you say? You said... Six year, $49 million. So that's about eight a year. That's easy what he's worth on the open market. Easy. I think, I personally think it's going to be six for seven because that's reasonable. You know what I mean? He's still taking a discount, right? Yep. But he's still getting almost a $2 million pay bump. He likes it here. He knows he's 28. You know what I mean? He's in great shape or whatever. You know, and He has a dog named Fenway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, his daughter's going to be starting preschool in the next couple of years. Best schools in the world. Um, I think that in order to keep him here, you're going to have to give him at least seven. That's what I think, uh, because he is worth eight to nine on the open market, and you got to know your worth, you know. At the same time, he's doing his job, and like you should be doing when you're trying to negotiate. Um, yeah, to me, I think eight's a little high. I don't think we have the money for eight, because we have other people we have to sign to, and we all know. You know, there's a little bit of a room to move because we do have some RFAs that kind of can be taken care of over the summer after the draft. Yep. But Krug, you want to sign before you go to free agency because he's a team's quarterback. Once because other there are players like teams out there that have the money to give him ten, like if they want to. Do you know what I mean? If you wanted to go home, I know Detroit does. Yeah, I I don't think he wants to do that. I, I think that everyone assumes that's where he'd go, but there. I mean, no. he has high value and everywhere. Who doesn't? I'm just following the trend of Twitter. 
Yeah, just like I'm sick of hearing you can't give them more than Krejci and well, that's, whatever. That's a, yeah, you know why they can? Because you know what? The salary cap is different this time. And he hasn't taken a big raise, even though he's been pretty consistent for his six years here. You know what I mean? And I, I'm just going to pull up a tweet right now because I'm on Twitter on the laptop as well as in the uh, in the studio here. And uh, Johnny Bruin, at Johnny Bruin, 22 minutes ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love crew. But he can't expect to be paid more than the perfection line, in my opinion. It's okay if he wants $8 million a year, and he probably deserves it, but it won't happen in Boston. Hoping he stays, but uh, if not, hoping he leaves with a Stanley Cup ring. I can't expect him to get paid more than David Pasternak, because David Pasternak is 24 years old and still has two more contracts ahead of him. Right? Yeah. Um, quite honestly, for all of you out there that keep saying this, is that Tory Krug should have signed for more money the last time he had his deal. He could have got six, five, seven million the last deal. Numbers why what people He worked need, with the team and did a one need, year, right. one year deals. And he didn't take a big increase at all no. on that last contract. He basically took a flush and like he a did the show me deal. Bump. Right. So now on the flip side, when players and teams do this is how it works, now Don Sweeney's got to show him his money. Within reason, he can't be crazy. I certainly don't feel like he's in there asking for nine million dollars, right? But he's got to know he's worth eight. <laughs> Easy. You know what I mean? Depending on what market. I mean, markets will play ridiculous things for people when you're like, whoa, that dude's getting this much money. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, look at Kovalchuk, right? He's this dude that's got dumped off a giant contract, all of a sudden was like a spitfire, and now is on a cup contending team within a three-month span of time or whatever, and looking for, if he gets re-signed, back to having another 2 or $3 million contract. Um but I'm sick of hearing, yes, you can be expected to get paid more than Bergeron because Bergeron's contract is super effing old. So when they sign Bergeron... Bergeron has two more seasons left under a $6.8 million contract per cap friendly, 34 years old, um, no moving clause yeah. attached, which is, is totally expected. Yeah, so I can expect that because they already signed their contracts. Just like you could say that, you know... Um, about a lot of people in the league, but I, I don't know how you can't give Krug at least seven seven five and expect him not to walk away. Like I said, seven seems like six for seven seems like a perfect. Uh, wait, what I was saying? Whatever that deal was seems like a good deal. I just know it can't be done from less than seven, yeah. or he's gonna have to go somewhere else because you can't take too much. But like I said, what is he making? Five two or something this year? This yeah. year he is at five point two. Yeah, five two. Um, apparently, I'm not so upset. I couldn't. Remember. So I think seven's fair. He's getting almost a two million dollar. You know, whatever. It is a bump. One point eight million dollar bump. bump. Now it's not like he's asking ten. They're either gonna. Well, I don't always ask, and we're not behind the closed doors. We it just, just seems in this culture, thing. it would seem a little ridiculous. He'd right. be in there asking ten. You know what I mean? But seventy uh, point players on the back end don't come like him often. And if you want to, if you want to win now and possibly the next couple of seasons, whether he locks up a two year deal, and, or a five year deal, you know. Yeah, another reason why you want to pay him this money, and this is just an opinion, like if I was, even if I wasn't a giant Tory, you know, whatever, like it is what it is, however it shakes out. That's between Don and Tory and his family yep. and the Bruins organization. Agreed. But you don't want Tory Krug being someone else's quarterback either. 
Nope. You don't want that to bite Especially you in the ass. The and there are some teams out there. Like, no offense, Colorado's still got a shit ton of cap space. Yeah, they, like they could. Do you know how much with the people that they've been building on that? Now, Colorado has gone in and out this year. You know, whatever. But they're still solid. They're in yeah. the top, you know, five or six teams in the league. Unbelievable lineup. If they got... Imagine if they got... Tory crew to pitch to some of those top end players that they have on the first play, but you don't want that. And I know like in the short term that wouldn't affect the Bruins, but like I think it's underestimated that at times how good he makes that top line look. Like part of the reason they're the production line, again I won't call them the perfection line, is per cap friendly. The power play. Like, you know what I mean? Like it all works together. So I don't know. For per- me, I think seven's worth just keeping him to not be someone else's asset. Per cap friendly, Colorado has twenty eight million dollars in cap space. Oh, they'll easily play to- pay Tory Krug eight million dollars. Yeah, that's scary. You know? Yeah, that's so scary. I know. I don't know why. I, ne- I never think to print just like the team list like that of like yeah. the cap friendly like cap totals. I'm always yeah. clicking page to page. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, um, sorry, yeah, you're learning so, the whole media. I don't thing. know. As a Tory Kruger and just as a hockey fan, it would be stupid to let him walk away. I believe now again, so too. if he gets stupid, he's in there trying to demand ten. That's fine. But I feel like he'd probably be a more rational. He's either going to ask for a higher term and a shorter contract or a longer contract with shorter pay. And the only way to make that work is like six for seven or seven five. For, for me, there's no decline in his game that is dictating any like drastic losses yeah. in what he's asking for. He's been playing to his ability throughout his career. And every individual contract he signed, whether it be a year here or two years or five years here, he's been a point producer on the back end throughout. And, I mean, that a resume like that just really throws out to the rest of the league that we could use that guy too. And so if he happens to walk on free agency, which I absolutely hope, if he wants the money, he deserves it. He's not somebody that I would say he's been on the roller coaster ride of point production and the ups and downs of, of, of being a, a National Hockey League player. He's been very consistent going right through here, and, and that's going to dictate what Brandon Price is going to want. And pretty, uh, I think, plays above expectation of what you would think of for an undrafted kind of yep. small defensive. Like, he's carved his niche, and he's just gotten better, too. Like well, the he, thing is, like, back in the day when you had stand-up defensemen that would just shut down guys, mm-hmm. you really, I mean, the, the, the Bobby Orr, Error was the one that you came up with that transitional def- defenseman. I mean, he's just he's just bringing he's just continuing that type of legacy throughout. So, um, yeah, no, I th- I think Tori's getting paid, but I don't think he wants something stupid. But I also think Donnie's not stupid enough to like so stupid he thinks that he's not going to have to pay him some money too. But everyone, please stop saying you can't pay him that if you're only yes, that's how contracts work. Yeah. And, and you st- know what? There's a new CBA coming up. So like don't worry about David Pasternak, honey, okay? He's going to get his money cuz they're going to move the cap. Everything will be different in the new CBA. They're going to have to with 32 teams, you know what I mean? Our players. Yeah. I mean, no offense NHL. There are options, maybe not better options than the NHL out there, but there are options for high-end players, especially the young guys that might be like, well, like if you don't start moving the cap, figuring out how to better revenue yep. sharing, whatever, there's a lot of young guys that aren't going to show up in your league till they're 23, Cap's 24. going up too. Yeah, so everybody will be fine, all right? Bergeron it never seems to me like he is like, oh man, I can't believe 
so and so. I can't believe that Tuka, I mean, uh, David Pasnak, he's only 24. How can he only be making a half a million dollars less than me or whatever it is? Or and then he makes 7.2 like, million, and now you're complaining, like, yeah. oh my God, this guy pays, he's paid, you know, being paid way too much. Yeah. Um, Please come ne- back, Tori. <laughs> the next topic, and the, and the last one for me, is I, I just wanted to bring up. We might be doing something new here to try to look back on the history of the Boston Bruins. I've I've noticed that the Boston Bruins alumni social media has really been out there. They've been out there for a while, but I'm just kind of like on board now for what they're doing. Always have been, but more recently, I want to incorporate their stuff into the show. But they do some history stuff, and I, I thought that we could pick one part of the last week that happened in history and, and mentioned some birthdays. I like history. You know what I mean? I know you do. I'm a history guy too. My dad was a history teacher. It's, it's probably yeah, the only, I became a history teacher. The only subject that I probably passed because um, I liked it so much. Um, no, I just thought it would be kind of cool to look back at, at some points in history and involve that into the um, into the podcast. So uh, this week in Boston Bruins history per Boston Bruins alumni Facebook account on February 29th, which was yesterday, leap year, Leap day. Leap day. In 1992, Ray Bork assisted on a late goal by Bobby Carpenter uh, to help the Bees overcome a three-goal deficit and tie the Washington Capitals 5-5. to The Bork assist was 1,000th of uh, his career. And because... Uh, just and, and, and he became just the third defenseman in NHL history... To reach the thousand point plateau, I thought that was pretty cool. Always a huge fan of Ray Bork. Um, he's 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 been my. I'm I'm a I'm a goaltender. I'm a goaltending buff, but um, you need defense to win championships. You know what I mean. You need that that middle ground in the transition of going offensive to to sustain any any good doing in this in this league, in the past, in the future, whatever. Defense is huge, and uh, and sometimes you have to be defense on another person's team to win championships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. No, I got you. But no, I just I have always appreciated what Ray did and what he brought, and I also appreciate his decision to go somewhere else to win because of the fact is that when um, when he was playing, it was it was in my opinion, it was more about the money and and what was made in concessions and, and ticket sales than it was overpaying people to come here and actually win championships. Uh, I think that the the Jacobs family have had that team for, since the 70s and so on, have actually come around uh, in the early 2000s to we need to win for um, our fans. And it's not about a company. It's not about a corporation. It's not about the almighty dollar. It could be about the... Yeah, it could be about the fans, and and they've done a lot of things that have been um, construed to be in greedy and this and that. But you see lately that under the salary cap regime, you are paying up to the cap, so you you're trying to wing all the time. If you're if you're a franchise that constantly needs bad contracts to get to the C, uh, to get to the cap floor, mm-hmm. I don't think you're trying hard enough. Exactly. So. I think um, in this salary cap, I mean, I do think it should be a higher cap or there needs to be more flexibility like there is with NHL, and, I mean, NFL and NBA contracts and stuff. But 
with the money that there is there, if you can't build a team that has a good balance of superstars and just good players that are clearly NHL caliber players, you are not trying right. hard enough. Right. You're just, you're just riding the line of being an NHL franchise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but also celebrating birthdays last week were former Boston Bruins player Lyndon Baez. Remember Lin- LB? Wow, yes, I do. Yeah, Lyndon Baez. He was, a, he was a badass. Him and Jay Miller were like, I mean, the epitome of, of, of Big Bad Bruins and the later part of the Big Bad Bruins regime. Obviously, we know the Winsex and the and um, the Millburys and those guys back in the day, but... But these um, were like, we saw these guys yeah. play, you know what I mean? Yep. Not that, I mean, we're old enough, we could have seen Millberry too, but we were kid kids. This was like, you could actually go see them by yourself. Kind yep, of. exactly. Uh, New York native Joey Mullen, uh, who was a uh, former Boston Bruins player, uh, celebrated a birthday last week. Um, recently deceased Gary Doak um, celebrated his birthday. Rest in peace, my friend. And, uh, and a birthday shout out to alumni coordinator Karen Wanowski. She runs um, everything with with um, Johnny Busick up in the up in the um, the alumni suite, mm-hmm. and um, she's a fantastic woman and deserves a lot of credit for what she does up there. And uh, um, Karen, if you happen to listen to this, I'm sorry I gave you a business card. It was uh, it was all about me trying to do more for the alumni and not about business. So is that the sweet incident? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was inadvertent. He didn't know how to play. Yeah. He that's didn't what, know how, how to play. Much, that's what pretty much started this whole freaking thing. So well, anyway, we won't talk about that. No, I was just gonna say that's a drama train. Rookie, I don't want to get involved. You're in. a rookie. You just weren't. I know. I was just, just misstepped. You know, it's like when Bieber steps in the middle of the trying thing. to help no, out the alumni. That's it. That's all right. You're a very big supporter of this, and I'm sure she forgives you. You've probably beaten yourself up more about it. Yeah, I, I have. I have. Um, What's but, that? That is pretty much it for me on everything that I kind of wrote down. Um, Heather, did you happen to bring anything to the table? I know uh, I you would, have a lot of writings over there. For, I know. I always write things down, but then I get lost in your list and then I have my list. So first I'd so like to just fault. say, yeah, no, I just, it's my ADHD's fault. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Can too, you other people use the All right. So um, I just wanted to mention Yarrow, they had the like... Uh, Thing for him Tuesday, the dumpster fire game versus Calgary. Um, but games. before the game, there was a lovely ceremony. Yarrow, he he recently got his 500th win. Like you said, our goaltenders are kicking butt. They're probably going to bowl. Oh, no, is that? No, Tuka need a couple more for a shutout. I was like, oh, no, I didn't look up if that was his 50th shutout, but I don't think it was. I think that was 48 or 9. All right, so anyways, Yarrow was honored. You know, he got... The champagne and the watch, which seems to be what the boys give each other. And uh, his silver stick. Cam Neely presented him with his 500 thing. The I think the silver stick for the goaltenders is so much more bad. Like, just it is. because it's thick it's the and shiny thing, and yeah. it just reflects And it so weighs much. more, so it's more yeah. it's it's more money than than the others. Just <laughs> a goaltender thing. Goaltender <laughs> union, baby. Yeah, um, lovely uh, family was out there. He was kind of being chirped and was chirping his teammates while he was on the thing. By the way... When they took that picture of the wine, the watch, Z, Bergeron, Marsh, uh, and and those guys and the family, mm-hmm. you should see the picture. I'll pull it up at, at the end of the show. I'll mm-hmm. show you. But you can see the shortest people in the whole crew. Tory crew, yeah. Brad Marshan, peeking over shoulders, <laughs> yeah. the smile. It's, it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Um, also, I thought it was fun. I learned this um one of our local radio shows, I was listening to them, and they had a couple segments, and they had Nick Ritchie on, uh, 
and they were asking him, you know, like, what did you leave in California that you now realize that you really need? And he had made a comment about um, that they didn't have to wear ties all the time in Anaheim and like that you don't like he only has one tie with him. And he said something like, and luckily, though, Yarrow got us all Louis Vuitton ties for his 500. So now I have two of them. And I was just laughing like, welcome. One thing you need to know, boys, when you come to the Boston Bruins is that they think they're fashionistas and they love their suits and ties. So you have to. Well, what's that face for? Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm, 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 no, I'm like, are you a breaking news over there? What's no, happening? no, no, no. I'm looking at the schedule and thinking about some podcast, maybe at Warrior Ice Arena sometime soon. Maybe we'll, we'll have to discuss it. Not right now because my brain can't think that far. Okay, all right, go ahead. Uh, sorry. But anyways, thank you, Yarrow. I know you haven't always been here, but I think Yaroslav Halak is one of the greatest goaltenders of his generation, if anything, because he has been a starter. He has been a backup and. Even though he's seen old, his all. numbers are he's seen it all. He's always played his role, and he's always had pretty decent numbers. You know what I mean? The, so. I think the best thing as a as a goaltending guru myself, I think the best thing about him is the way he can acclimate himself to whatever role. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's at that age that if he can be a backup, he knows how to train appropriately for that. And when he needs to be a starter, he can train appropriately for that. Yeah, he has like the switch he can flip. Like when he knows he has to be in starter role. I mean, yeah. I think. I don't mean to say, like, when every game he starts, he's not in, like, starter mind mode. I just mean, I definitely think that he has, like, a switch, like you said. Like, whatever he's being asked to do that day. Like, even, like, with Tuca, right? When we thought he had the concussion before the break. And it was, like, I mean, the team as a whole was kind of sloppy. You know what I mean? Going on. So not all of it was on Yarrow. But he had a few games where it was like, well, all right, guys. We're going to keep it together for Tuco, like, you know, whatever. I mean, there was a few messy ones, but again, that was when the whole team was kind of playing. We're a team that, like, it's not one player doesn't do well. Like, we're either playing well as a team or we are not playing well as a team. Yeah. And there's, like, one guy. Like, how many games has it been like, well, Charlie Coyle put on his skates today. Like, I know. Uh, but anyways, uh, good for you, Yago. Yago. Yaro. Yago. <laughs> Hello. Uh no, kids, I'm not talking about Iago from Aladdin. That would have been a Freudian Shakespearean slip from Othello. But um, I would also like to say uh, Bobby Ryan from the Ottawa Senators. Yes. Shout out to Bobby Ryan um, for um, uh, persevering on, on the things that have been troubling him lately. It has come out that he has an alcohol addiction. Right. And he's going through some tough times to, to, to work that out. He came back to hockey, uh, had a hat trick. Yep. And, and got into a fight, I believe, too, right? Yeah, so he early he only made it about a week into the season. And uh, at the time, we had talked about it a little at the time because we didn't really know what was going on. Was it mental health? What was going on with him? No, you know, no, it's... And they actually said the other day, it's actually he's 100 days sober now. So Congratulations. he's certainly been working. So that's as Congratulations, someone Bobby is, Ryan. Yeah, Ottawa Senators. Been around uh, addiction. And, I mean, we all do now, but as someone who particularly knew a lot of people even growing up with yep. addiction stuff uh that's a big thing and some days you might have days where you can't you know you can't why am i doing anymore. this what am i doing you know yeah. and you just have to remember you're doing it for your health you know yourself your family and you know your future and stay the path and it's hard you know but it's i think the hardest step is when people have to look at themselves and go you know what it's time like yeah. i can't i the, you the, know whatever and the first step is admitting it you it's... get through that you go through that you know and Keep your eye on the prize in 100 days. That's nothing to shrug at. That's a long time, especially uh, when you are battling these types of things. Keep it going, Bobby Ryan. Yep, so shout out from the Bruins uh, fans over here to the Ottawa Senators, Bobby Ryan. 
awesome hat trick. For, yeah. it was his, I think it was his second game back, but his first game back in Ottawa. So, so would you consider that the glorified Gordie Howe hat trick? That you get a hat trick and you get into a fight in that same game instead of getting a goal and an assist and then a fight? Mm. I think that's better. I do think I think a hat trick and a fight's always better. Like that's just me. Like whatever. It's what like, an individual left. Would you rather have three goals or three assists on the night? I think I people know. would rather have three goals. Um, I know. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not the Gordy Howe hat trick. That was like a different tangent. But um, I wanted to ask you before I just say like where the boys on the leaderboard and we start, you know, kind of start to wrap the up. Hockey shout out too. I know we're gonna get thing, but I get I guess the last topic because we had already kind of talked about topics though that we did not talk about yet specifically that I wanted to throw to you about. Um, obviously, we have a new look team this week. Everybody did this week, right? Lines have been a little shuffled around, right? Do you? like this new second line or I, I don't say new I just mean obviously it's a new look I mean you had Kasha you have Nick Ritchie up there with Krejci it's kind of weird um it's short sample size yeah. it very much yeah, is. given the short sample yeah, I size, do though, want do to see more of it but it's in a cry in a crazy Bruins bias thought I'm kind of like wow it could be like the rejuvenation of Krejci mm-hmm. and seeing old friends back again, uh, Milan Lucic and and uh, Nathan Horton get a bigger body on that on that side. Mm-hmm. Debrusque is a little is a little player. He's fast. He's got he's got skill. He's got tremendous amount of attributes. Kasha, same thing. Puck hungry. This and that works hard along the boards. Just those guys aren't big in size. I think that. Having a player like Richie, if it works out, keep it going. Um, but if it's not working, nip it in the butt quick. Don't ride on it. Um, I, I, I like what I see. I just want to see some more. What do you think about DeBrusque on the... We didn't really talk about when we talked about DeBrusque. Are you... Do you like his look uh, with Coyle? Do you think... Um, I do. I do for the fact... Obviously, it's, it's a couple games. So, I just mean, like, going forward, do you have... I do for the fact is that that Coyle is a is a seasoned veteran mm-hmm. and he's a Boston native. He knows the game. Um, he's a good player. I think he's a good teacher too when it comes to puck possession, giveaways, takeaways, this and that, and how to effectively play that style of game. I want to see him absorb that experience with Coyle and hopefully gain a little bit more um, personal you know, hype in himself to get the puck in the net too. Because that's when we really need him. If you're going to play that second line ever again, you need to be more point productive. If you're just going to be one of those grinders that is not going to make a ton of money in this NHL, then you should probably stay on that third line and possibly fourth line minutes. I don't want to see that. But it's with the way his game is progressing. Progressing. Sorry. Progressing. Um, yeah. It. If, if he's going to be going downhill, then unfortunately, demotions are going to have to happen to get him back into what he was before. Okay, my next question then, I guess, for you is, um, 
I am at best indifferent to Parland home. You have not been kind to him and Richie at times. Again, that's another thing I want to say about the Richie. These are all the same things I heard about his brother. So show me. I, you show me, like, whatever, you know, just like I said with Coach Cass. Show me, guy, and I will be on your side. But show me what you can. That's for anybody. So Nick Richie, I do not blame your brother on you. I will give Nick Richie an independent look if you again end up in Anna, you know, I mean, in Anaheim, geez, <laughs> can we send him back? Hey, look, if this Nick Ritchie doesn't work out, I'm going to have to have Dan Heinen back. I'm just saying, no. Um, right. Yeah, I just mean, if he ends up in Providence, I was thinking HL and I said Anaheim. Crazy. Uh, with his brother, then I'm going to be super pissed. Yeah. Um, but I guess my question to you is, given how Parlin Holmes looked the last few games, right? In his Invisible. Role, right. But everyone's talking about... I think for me, it's more to help Corrali and shake him up a little bit because he has not had a good season. No. You know what I mean? So this having him center the line instead of Corrali, do you like that? Not really. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a home guy. Do you think, I, I guess the overall and more is, More or less, more or less, if I, if I can interrupt yeah, you real yeah. quick and just talk about when you brought back Brent Ritchie. Yeah. I think the Bruins went way too far with him. Mm. I think that should have been nipped in the butt after like two months. You know what I mean? I think the changes should have been made. I think they gave him more of a leash than they should have. Um, would, would it would it correct everything that was going on on that particular line? I don't believe so. Because but... I'm a little nervous about the fourth line, which is traditionally our just badass line. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. like run through, you know, I'm, we wouldn't got it. Now it's the third did. line. Right. What are we going to do about the, I mean, we don't have to. Something for us to talk about over the well, rest you're not of the season like, going you, into you're the You're not going to like my suggestion. But what I'm saying is we have to figure out what to do with the fourth line. If you don't like what it looks like now. What's it going to look like in the future? Well, more I don't care what's going to happen next year. I care what's going to look like going into the playoffs where we need our fourth line. Because it's not Achari and Wagner and Corrali on fire this year. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't. Our fourth line has struggled to be our fourth line. Although we've had times, right? Like Chris Wagner sometimes is just, you know. Doing a whatever, like something we need to discuss in the future before playoffs is what do we want? What do we need and want our fourth line to look like? Because I'm not not saying they haven't done well. I want the fourth line that went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year and played consistently well all season last year. But it's not the same line. It That's is the not the same line. How do we make? How do we find? Corrali drives that line, right? But Corrali isn't and driving. He's not doing right. good. And Do actually, you think actually, maybe losing Nolachari affected that fourth line? Ooh. Not mean. I just mean like because they had great chemistry. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Did. That's all no, I mean. Like as right. chemistry goes, not because there can't be someone who does that same role. I guess that's what my question is. Is then how right. do we create that same magic again? Like you know, chemistry wise, because we got two out of three ain't bad, right? Well, do do you do it by committee and what you have right now, or do you do it by a call up and and try to spark? That's because you, like I said, I'm going to probably not not you're probably not going to agree with the person that I want to bring up. Who? You're Trent Frederick. Trent Fre- yeah. See, I, if it's Trent Frederick, I'm all set. I really. I, it's, again, not because I'm against him, but I really. You don't think he's ready? I I, I don't think he's ready, and I don't. There's I, nothing wrong with that. I don't think he has the experience. I know it's a catch twenty two because when he does come up, he doesn't always do have a long stint or necessarily the best look. You know, sometimes you just get the bad matchups, right? It's hard being the kid popping into the lineup when this today we are playing Washington or whatever. So it's I don't want you to think it's like I'm anti-Trent Frederick. But I also feel like he's like a DeBrusque to me at this point. Like, 
you need to show me a little more of what you can do. And like, that's great. You do well down there, right? And I'm not saying when you come up that you're not doing well. I will, but are I will, you doing well enough to just jar someone? I will give you an update on Trent Frederick right now. Yeah. He's on a three-game point streak. Yeah. And it's all assists. Yeah. So he, he's being a helpful player and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just... His game is is all about grit and sandpaper and what you could do to a prototypical fourth line player um, up the middle. I mean, he's he has been playing left side too, which I think might be an ace in the hole when it comes to next season. If there's roster availability on the left side, third or fourth line could be a, a great position for him because I know I know for a fact, in my own opinion, I know that's. That doesn't sound very right, but I know uh, Jack Sonique is going to be on this on this Bruins lineup next season. I I have a strong feeling about that because there's going to be departures. You're going to see Joachim Nordstrom. I don't think he's going to be retained. I think his roster spot is going to have to be for somebody like Sonika and his movement into the NHL permanently. I'm sorry, this is random, but does Parlin Home have one more year? Richie had one year, I think, and Par Lindholm, I think, might have had another year. I think on. Par was two, year, two years, and, and um, Richie was, and the Richie one, was year. one. Looking up a cap friendly right now, and Par Lindholm, he does, he does have a two year. I know deal. this is just right. I mean, it's not a bit that giant cap hit, so it's not like. If I mean, think. he is. Under I just con- was thinking like he is under contract. Par Lindholm would have to go through waivers to be sent to Providence at, at eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I'm not crapping on Par Lindholm and anything like that, yeah. but. He's a he's a candidate to be bought out. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not. I'm save just that's that, what I was trying to think. Save of. that roster spot for somebody that you know what I mean. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. He just doesn't fit on this team to me. I don't. You don't see... have to defend Parlin. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I know. But you're you... being fair. You're not. It's not like you're just earlier in the season. Weren't you high on him? I liked him better than Richie. It wasn't that okay. I'm high okay. on Lindholm. I. You saw the time, better value in different players. I see more value of Paul Lindholm having playing time on this team than I do Brett Ritchie, but that doesn't mean I think that that's high play value. All right, well, we have a couple minutes left before we get to the wrap it up. So uh, very quickly, I just wanted to run through uh, Pasternak second in points with 91 points as of this morning, also first in goals with 47. So that means by the time we record next week, Pasternak could have hit the, his 50th. And like I said at the beginning of the year, when I see it, I believe it. So when I see the 50th go in, I'll be more than happy to be the first one, given that David Pasternak hands up. I love David Pasternak. Yeah, you big, know, I just, he's so fan. funny. Even like on Behind the Bees when they had him at oh, the yeah. casino, he's like, where's my coffee? Only Dunkin' Donuts The guy's coffee. got good dancing like, moves, too. He's just, he cracks me up. Uh, Brad Marchand is six in points with 83. Again, I think he might get his 100 if he gets hot because he's either a couple point a game player or, you know. So, uh, and he's tied fourth with assists with 56. Tuka Rask is number one with goals against with 2.16. Uh, he's fourth with save percentage with a 9.28. And he is currently tied in seventh with wins with 24 wins. Uh, Yarrow's ninth with goals against with 2.44, which still isn't too bad considering he's had a couple shellings lately. Uh, except for that, uh, Vancouver game. They both got shelled. Uh, he's tied for 14th uh, with .917, which isn't bad because that's about what Bishops was in he won the Venza so, you know, when he was up for Venza. So, Tory Krug's number eight on the defensive points list with 48, 45 points. He's another kid that will end up around probably 60, 70 points. Uh, as you brought up, Pasta was named the number third star of February. Yeah, David Pasternak. Yeah. Right on. Uh, everyone don't uh, go and rate and review. 
Uh, I'd like to see some numbers going up. I'd like to say if you are in the Amesbury area, Amesbury Youth Hockey, we are having a karaoke night adults only at the barn downtown Amesbury. So if Barn Pub and Grill, Five yeah, Ring Street. Five Ring Street. Uh, Leo's been generous enough to donate the hall to us and a bartender. That's awesome. My Shout out Leo. My Leo brother Isabel. has offered he's going to DJ us for free. I promised him I would feed him. Shout out DJ DJ. DJ, DJ Dale, DJ Dale or whatever it is. It's hard for me. I get confused. I call him DJ and he's a DJ. But uh, So if you're around, 10 bucks ahead, there'll be food, 50-50 raffle, just some drunken old karaoke fun. I'm not a big karaoke person, but I'm willing to run this event and laugh at everyone else's joke. I'm not a, a big I'm karaoke the, person, but I like to drink. I'm the friend that goes, hey, yeah, sure, we'll do I like big butts. And then I look at the list, so right before it's time, I go, out I, to smoke a, no, I go out to smoke a butt because like you can't smoke in bars anymore. Like You didn't used to get to escape. Now it's like, oh, yeah, man, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go quick a smoke cigarette and like sit out there till I hear it's done. Like, <laughs> oh, awesome. I missed it doing none of your business. By We're looking for Heather. I'm sorry. Heather. Heather. Well, I always make sure it's a group of people. So, Is like, Heather here? You guys will go up there. So, um, How about Cletus? Is Cletus here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving on to whatever. Um, but that ought to be a good time. So, so thank you to Leo and my brother, and hopefully if you are in the area and you got some friends, you don't support mind support local 10, hockey, everybody. Support Ames or Youth Amesbury. Hockey. I'm a Ames little biased. Shout out Amesbury. That's just me. Um, yeah. So uh, that rate and review. Make sure you go and rate. Sorry to clap. I'm sorry that's going to spike. Uh, please, please, please drive up the numbers. We got a month left in the season. Mark and I are going to get fired up. Oh, you didn't get to do playoffs with me last year. Nope. Mark always has to deal with me in the hockey world. But this year, instead of it just being through our texts, we can do funny like recap of playoff texts of the week. Uh, mine will probably have a lot of F words, but I'll try to work on that. Mark, what do you got going? I have nothing left going on. Okay, I so. I want to say thank you very much for everybody that's listening. Thank you to our Patreons that are continuing to support us on a monthly basis basis and and show basis if you'd like to be a patreon please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast donate a dollar we are going to get back on giveaways again it's just been a little tight right now so i just wanted to give an update on that uh over the off season i am buying 30 weeks worth of of um, of shirts to give away and they're all going to be large we're not going to do the the different sizes anymore it's all going to be large so we can have them here as soon as you win. They are shipped that day, that Monday, gone, and no more, no more of this um, um, waiting to get things done. It's just, it's just been. I have way too much to do on my plate to do all this. So we will get back on that. If you'd like to support us, regardless, we certainly appreciate it. If you have any questions you want us to answer, bother yeah, Mark please, about it. I mean, I'll be more than happy email. to. But, um, yeah. If you like the show, you don't like the show. Um, any questions about prospects, questions about Bruins players that are currently on the roster, playoff questions, off-season, free agency, anything you guys want to ask, send me an email. And if you want it read online, we'll do it. We'll do it. If we get questions, we'll absolutely bring them to this platform and, uh, and have you heard and give you credit for asking. Yeah, and we're just fans talking to the fans, you know. So exactly. That's what it's all about. It's, it's what we can do for you guys. It's not what we can do for ourselves. Yeah. So... We, um, we can talk ourselves blue all we want. We've no, been doing no it for 30 years. Like, we're good. Like, there. <laughs> um, yeah, so rate and review. Did you want to run through the uh, with Ian and all that information one I more time? I do want to say one more time that we are very, very thankful uh, to Ian Glendon, uh, who basically runs full press coverage, uh, full press radio, and uh, full press Bruins. 
Uh, those guys are fantastic. Follow the podcast, Full Press uh, Bruins Podcast, the Big Bad Bruins Podcast with Ian and Chris um, Chris Blackie. He's another fantastic guy, big Bruins fan. The only person who's hurting over Heinen the way I am. I know, right? But those guys have been amazing. They they brought they, we talked yesterday for a few uh, on the Twitter instant message, and they want us to bring our show over there, and we we're all for. Um, opening up new platforms f- to create listeners. So, and I love tweeting this stuff, retweeting this stuff, and full press coverage is, is something that's really going to be big, I believe, in the next um, year or two. And it's just getting, it's just getting rolling. Just, you got to get on board. Please follow all the accounts. Thanks to Ian. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Chris. Um, One last thing. Uh, don't forget. Two games versus Tampa Bay this week. One versus Florida. Bet online AG. Sign yes. up, baby. Yes. If you haven't already, go on there. Place your bets. Betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account. When you put place your deposit of at least $55, you get a 50% welcome bonus just one time, folks. It's a great place to go bet if you like basketball, hockey, football, golf, and all the major sports and some, like, even cricket. You can even bet cricket, worldwide stuff. It's crazy. And soccer and blah, blah, blah. So um, go there. They, they are an awesome show sponsor, and they continue to do, um, to do contracts with us, which is unbelievable, um, and we appreciate that. So um, with that being said. Miss us while we're gone. Yes, yes. We will be back next week, as we always are, every Sunday. Heather and I. Heather, thank you very much for another great, Thanks great for episode. Me. I think this one was really, really good. And I know you always said before, all episodes are good. They all, we, we are always like, oh, that was the worst. And yeah. it always sounds just this one fine to, on This other. one to me, right off the bat, just sounded really good. And the flow was awesome. So I I think us both it. being prepared probably helps a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> one of us not being stressed out about something. Yeah, whether no it's kidding. I'm stressed out from being a mother. Audio. Or whether... Audio. audio is breaking down and I'm I trying to talk you off I can't believe the... we actually went through a whole episode without an audio issue. Oh, God, in three hours, I'm going to get a text from you like, mother bleeper. No, yeah, I know. Kidding. I'm only kidding. It was a good one. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. for listening. We really appreciate the support, the feedback, the retweets, the shares. Um, and, and we will definitely see you next week. So go Bruins. Three go games Bruins. this week. Three big games on, down in the panhandle. Points, so we, we got this. We got this, boys. And we will talk to you and, next week. And Mark wants to watch the Providence game. <laughs> yeah, and the Providence game is on right now. So, so peace out. Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.